Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And tonight on my 27th episode, I have Sean Gallant and Corey Hucklack. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing, buddy? Long time no see, my friend. What's happening? Thanks for having us. No problem. Is it just mirrored his geese look the same? Like he hasn't changed, I swear. Yeah. I've dropped a little bit of LBs lately, so I, I'm feeling well, good. I was going to say that. I didn't want to say it on air, but I, I could see. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Guys, uh, I'm excited to have you guys on the podcast tonight and get rolling, talk about your football stories. So, you know, one memory I was thinking about was, I can't remember what year that would have been. You were playing pit football. Don't, touch. don't even say the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time I could throw a ball. We were playing some indoor touch, and I remember we were getting ready in the locker room. And, and as a player, I was always the kind of guy I always liked all my gear, right? I had, I had you know, the wristbands, the headbands, the, the high socks, the matching cleats. And I remember getting ready for this game. We're in the locker room still, and I remember I was all geared up, and I had these red flashy socks out there. And go on, I remember you looked at me, and you just kind of gave me the look like, dude. And I, just <laughs> I just remember coming in, and I'm like, I was, like I said, playing indoor touch, playing flag. It was just fun for us, right? Like, it was, I used to have so much fun. And I didn't, all I knew was Huck, and I met his brother. And we come in, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, shoot. O lineman play. I'm like, I thought, I thought we were doing O lineman. And all of a sudden, you're our QB, looking all flashy like a DB, yeah. and you could sling that rock. I was, I, man, you, you impressed me so much back then. Uh, for when I saw you throw, we always had the advantage because when you were our quarterback, I just knew like I just had to get open a little bit, and you were gonna find us. But yeah, came in, thought you were the O lineman. And next thing you know, you're the pretty, pretty quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just get your hands up, otherwise your nose was getting broken. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, I just remember uh, kind of having that moment was like I looked in the mirror, I was like, I kind of look ridiculous right now. I remember the next <laughs> the next week, I toned it down a little bit. So uh, too funny. <laughs> too much but... flair. Yeah, you need 27 <laughs> pieces of flair in your yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a lot going on. To get into it here today, guys, Sean, I want to start with you and just kind of talk about your background growing up, where you're from, maybe talk about your family and, and maybe some other sports that you played growing up before playing football. I had an interesting childhood, man. I'm, I'm from Windsor, Ontario. Uh, my mom and dad were together and my dad uh, worked for the elevator business. So we moved around a lot. So I went from Windsor, ended up moving to Winnipeg when I was uh, just like five years old. Okay. Stayed here for a few months. Then we moved to Edmonton, stayed there for a half year, uh, moved to Saskatchewan. And I was living in Saskatoon. I was uh, six or seven. And my parents ended up getting a divorce. So my mom went back to Windsor and I was living with my dad. So I was playing uh, soccer. He coached my soccer team. I was playing hockey uh, at a young age. Mm -hmm. And then I was on my way to school one day and I talked to my mom on the phone and she's like, how you doing, sweetie? I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And I still remember this today. I'm on my way to school with a buddy. We're driving our bikes, and this van pulls up. I get grabbed, kidnapped, take my bike, and I'm in a van. It's my mom and my aunt and my uh, my grandparents, but I thought they were wearing masks. I just, I, I couldn't fathom it. What? And they literally kidnapped me and brought me all the way back to Windsor. My dad didn't know where I was after school, couldn't find me. My mom kidnapped me. And I've been staying with her ever since. So I went from playing soccer to hockey to my mom. We were on welfare growing up, living in my grandma's house, on my grandparents' house. So I was like, when's hockey practice? She's like, I don't think so. That's way too expensive. Right. So she's like, here's an old-ass baseball glove. So I grew up on baseball and basketball. Like, that was my – baseball was my sport, playing basketball. 
didn't even really think about, you know, you go, you'll play road hockey or you'll play maybe some football on the fields and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But baseball and basketball were my were my sports that I grew up with because cost, right? Well, what a story about your mom kidnapping you. That's uh, a little extreme. Yep, fugitive. So now, now that I'm a cop, I guess I better go arrest her. Yeah, she's up on charges. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Cor, obviously, we've known each other for a long time. I think I met you. I was nine years old. You must have been six or seven. Uh, I was playing football for your dad. He was my, my first head coach when I first started to play football. Uh, obviously, was playing with your brother, Jay, who became one of my best friends. I can remember a, a lot going on between me and you playing some sidewalk-to-sidewalk football as little kids. And you used to work me. And being two, three years younger than me, it was pretty embarrassing. But uh, well, that was where my love of the game started from. I know a lot about your background and your family, but I'd love for you to tell my audience about, uh, you know, same kind of deal. You're growing up and your family and, and other sports you participated in. For my family, my immediate family, my brother, uh, Jason, who I'm very close with, older brother, and my mom and dad, it was pretty much the four of us who settled in Winnipeg. And we settled in Winnipeg because my dad ended up finishing his career out in Hamilton, actually. And it was uh, my mom who kind of said, well, no, I'm not going any farther than Winnipeg. So we've uh, settled in Winnipeg and they made a home here. So it's always been us. As for football, I can remember those days when as all I wanted to do was play, but I was too young. Nobody would let me into a league. Mm-hmm. I was the mascot of, yeah. of the team that, that you're you're talking about, which it's FYI. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> FYI, there you go, Callan. Uh, FYI, my dad did tell Geese that he should have been an offensive tackle. He probably would have played in the league with us if he would have uh, believed him. But, you know, he wanted to be the quarterback, and I love that. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was just I grew up uh, playing basketball, baseball, pretty much all the sports ex- except hockey. Uh, for some reason, I well, I know the reason why I never got into hockey. It was I, I went to my mom. All my buddies were playing when we were younger. I go, can I play hockey? She goes, well, yeah, but then you can't play baseball. You can't play basketball because the cost was astronomical for hockey. For half the price, you could play every other sport available. Right. I mean, I did bowling, curling. I did everything in soccer, but it was really uh, baseball and basketball that I really took to other than football. But I really, being that my dad, you know, played in the league for in the CFL for nine years, I, I've been around it my whole life and always have wanted to be around the game as much as possible. So I've been exposed to it from a very young age. From growing up with you and your brother and sort of pseudo being, you know, part of the family on the weekend sometimes for sleepovers and that kind of stuff. Uh, I was able to kind of organically kind of grow in that environment. And I know for myself how how valuable that was. I can't imagine the relationship you had with your dad and just, you know, how that uh, kind of inspired you to become a pro ball player. Not only my relationship with my dad, but just having my, my older brother and his buddies and, you know, always wanting to play with them, even though you're younger. At that time, th- two, three years makes a difference in a body type when you're, you know, eight to, yep. to 12 or whatever it may be um so just being trying to hang, hang with the older guys and want to be picked on a team with the older guys um i i could always relate to so between that and yeah me and my dad have a very special bond um being the fact that he was you know probably as a coach of mine for football i know we'll get into it later but what you know that guy i look up to so yeah, other guy you look up to <laughs> All right, Sean. Let's be honest here. It's good. Yes, officer. (laughs) All right, Sean, I want to get into talking about football, right? So you talked about growing up playing basketball and baseball. What was your first memory of football? When did you first experience football? How old were you? Football, like, 
this is pretty crazy, but I grew up, we just like, it was kind of in the, like the bad part of town. We just played sports. We didn't really understand sports. We really didn't know positions. We didn't know any of that stuff. So I was small. Okay. So when I was in the ninth grade, I was five foot one, 90 pounds. Wow. I was a little kid. Just, I, just I was that at six. I, I was two bills in grade nine. Well, <laughs> I, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's a small kid, right? Mm-hmm. For the first time in your life, you probably would have been better than me back then. So, like, it was it was crazy how small I was. And uh, I played volleyball. I couldn't even spike over the net, but I still played basketball. And I went to this other school, and my sisters went to a different school, right? Okay. That's a whole other long story. But so my sister was dating this guy, and his best friend would always come over with him, right? And he was this old lineman guy. And when I hung out with him, I felt like I was king of the world. Like I was just this small kid. His name was Larry Volks. To this day, I always thank him. But I used to love hanging. He would take me around and I used to just feel like I was invincible. It was good. So and keep in mind, in Ontario, you played a grade 13. So there's right. guys that are 19, could turn 20 during a season, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm 13 in grade nine and stuff. So he goes to me, he's like, you know what? Why don't you come play football with us next year? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'll play with you. I get all excited. I'm like, yeah. I was this small kid, and I transferred to their school, and I freaking hated football. Like, I, I hated it. Really? My first day, I'm playing against guys who are 19 and 20. I got smashed. Like I was, So I didn't start, obviously. Didn't even play. My first play, I remember like it was yesterday. I was a DB. And there was two receivers on my side, and they ran a pitch, and they came out to block me at corner. Mm-hmm. And the field that we were playing at, Sandwich Field, had a uh, cornfield in the back of it. They picked me up, and they threw me off the sideline. And my coach is like, what the fuck? Screaming at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? I didn't know what to do. I quit. I fucking hated it. I, I did not like, like it at all. So I ended up quitting. And I'm like, this is not for me. Like, this is ridiculous. But like I said... I was 13. I was a younger because where my birthday was, uh-huh. and I'm playing against guys who are five years younger than me. Like how you mentioned, a couple years makes a difference. Five years is insane, right? Yeah, so the coach ended up, he's like, listen, next year, he's like, I want you to come back out. And I'm like, and I'm st- like still young or whatever, but um, because of my school, we didn't have the funds. We never had a junior team, right? Okay. But then the, so I played senior for a couple years, and then I, we finally got a junior team, but we did it in the spring. So we play the season. And then I played junior football for the first time with people my own age. Mm-hmm. And I was a quarterback. Ooh. I freaking loved it. I was like, oh, this is what it's like. I'm like, this. I had so much fun. We ran the option pretty much. And I was like, it was so much fun. I fell in love with football ever since then. And then when I played seniors the following year, I became the quarterback and wide receiver and had a blast ever since and and uh, ended up playing junior football my last year of high school instead. But, uh, yeah, that first moment, I got the crap kicked out of me, and I hated it. And then it wasn't until I finally got to play with people my own age that I, I, I fell in love with it. And uh, they're like – my coach is like, listen, you're a six-foot-one white power forward. Put the basketball down. You're going to be playing football now. And that was that was the end of that. You know what? I played with the uh, Charleswood Broncos for a number of years, and we uh, we had a pretty good team. I mean, in uh, all my Pop Warner high school, all that, we lost a total of uh, one football game. So it was uh, 
something else. I mean, it was a combination of some some great coaching that I had. Um, obviously, compiled with some great talent, uh, not only from myself but from around me as well. You know, you can't can't do things like that by yourself. Um, I, I I can remember playing with guys like Richard Sylvester, who who was as big as he was in university when we were about 11 years old. Sure. So he was uh, running over people, and we were winning games by a, a significant margin mm-hmm. um, for a lot of my Pop Warner football. Um, but I like I can just remember hanging out with the guys and just – being on the field was uh, it was an escape. What other sport can you literally line up and hit each other? And then you know what? If you get mad, you can wait thirty seconds and line up and do it again. So <laughs> it's uh, I fell in love, like I said, at a very young age. Um, obviously, had a significant amount of success at a young age. You don't really always realize when you're in it. Um, you, after the fact, you take a look back and you're like oh, wow, did that actually just happen? You know, I was, uh, when I went into the Oak Park Hall of Fame a number of years ago, I went and you're sitting at the uh, the induction and they do a great job there. All those guys at, at Oak Park uh, did a bunch of research and they started listing off stats of mine in, in some of my high school games okay. and, and in the playoffs. And they would always start with, oh, on offense, he had 88 yards rushing, two touchdowns and, you know, five, five catches for 100 yards. Oh, yeah, and he had two interceptions and 15 tackles. What? what? <laughs> Say that yeah. again. What? Yeah. yeah I, I, interception? Oh, yeah. yeah. Interception. Jeez, you need to go check the stats, man. I led Canada <laughs> West in my fourth year as a Bison in interceptions as a weak side linebacker. I'm too Six old. Picks I can't Six picks in eight games. Six picks in eight games. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm at least young enough that the internet was there and they have my stats. I just found out what Google was. This is perfect. <laughs> Played a lot of football from a young age at at age eight and just loved the sport ever since. I like that awesome. you talked about playing with Richard Sylvester. He was a phenomenal running back. I've actually got him out helping me at my big air camps. He's our strength and conditioning coach, warms up the group, and great to be out there with him again. And one other thought I was thinking about when you were playing community ball, didn't they have to uh, outlaw the chop block for, from off? Every time you guys would run toss, you would go cut the cut the DB and Richard would run for a tug. I remember they had to modify the rule for you. Yeah, they actually did uh, dub it the Corey Hucklock rule because I, I, I had a knack for chop blocking, guys. Sure I mean, did. you're trying to get the edge. That's the block that back then you were supposed to have. Yep. Nowadays, I don't know if you can do that inside the outside the box or not. Um, but that's what they taught you. So I ended up being really good at it. Well, unfortunately, when you're going against people that don't know how to defend themselves, sometimes people end up getting injured. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up happening a few times in one game and then they kind of went and changed the rules and then we ended up adapting and, you know, having to go to a hook block to get the edge, which was usually not an issue. Um, but it, it, it I, I can remember that for sure. Back when I was uh, younger, along with uh, always trying to get a few extra series, because back then you could only play one way. Right. Um, fair play. Rules. Oh, really? So yeah. Defense wore socks. Offense didn't wear yellow socks right. here in uh, Manitoba. So they're oh. always, and you'd get, you'd get like three strategic moves back and forth that, you right. could do to have a player go both ways. Well, there'd be times where my dad just say, just keep the sock off and you get about eight extra series. And it wasn't till I guess when I uh, graduated from Pop Warner and played my one year with the St. James Rods where you were actually allowed, you know, if you had enough players to, 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 
play both ways. They had a lot of restrictions uh, on guys back back then here, Gallon, at least in the Pop Warner level. If I didn't play offense and defense, I don't think I get a scholarship. Uh, guys that are just pegged on, especially on defense, to get highlight films just on defense in high school. Yeah. It's yeah. almost impossible, right? Yeah. Like you have to show out at some camps. Thank goodness there's seven on seven now. You can show it some other ways and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely hard to get film just doing one way, right? Back at it for second quarter action. Coach Gies, Sean Gallant, and Corey Hucklack. So, Core, I'm thinking back uh, my senior year of high school, Oak Park. You could have came and played with me, but instead you decided to play Rod's football. It's probably why I don't win the championship my senior year. But uh, what I <laughs> what I remember about that Rod's year, buddy, is uh, obviously your dad was a head coach. My dad was a defensive coach on the staff. And uh, you, for the first regular season game, you weren't there. You and your dad both were away playing. I, I think it was Nationals baseball or something going on like that. Jay and myself ended up becoming kind of the offensive coaches. And uh, I remember we were playing the Transcode Nationals. And, man, that day did not go well. Everything that could have went wrong went wrong. I remember we had a corner. Uh, I don't know his name, but he was known as Stretch. Stretch, I, I'm for Stretch. And I remember <laughs> the very first play of the game, they run toss out to his side, and he's on the corner, and he literally tagged the running back, and then the running back ran 70 yards for a touchdown. And when he came back on the sidelines, we were like, what the hell? And he was like, well, we just tag up in practice. I didn't know we was tackled. <laughs> like, that's that's what we were Stretch, dealing with. we love you, man. That's what we were dealing with, man. So anyways, I remember the conversation of Jason and your dad after the fact. And Jay was like telling your dad, literally, Corey needs to carry the ball on every play. And he needs to make every tackle for you to have a chance. Somehow, you <laughs> ended up doing that and winning the championship that year, which was remarkable. But, uh, you know, I kind of want to get into to your high school career. You obviously started off attending uh, John Taylor High School and then transferred to Oak Park. Take me through your high school days and, and what sticks out to you the most. Well, well, first of all, let me go back to that story. Yes, we were at the National Baseball, um, and it was my last baseball. I quit baseball after that because I missed my first and only football game that I've ever missed in my life. <laughs> so that was the end of me playing baseball, and I after that I strictly stuck with uh, just football and basketball for high school. But, uh, yeah, no, that year was uh, something else because I, I was super excited that, you know, with the rules – the rules expanded then and you could actually play both ways. So I was like, that's Jay perfect. I'm going to get to play both ways. I couldn't convince mom to get over to Oak Park uh, in grade, in grade 10, uh, talking about your senior year. Uh, so we were away at baseball and dad's like, oh, you're only going to play defense. You're not going to play offense only every now and then when we need you. Like, okay, sure. So we were sitting in the, in the hotel room. I remember the phone call uh, of my older brother, Jason, calling my dad being mm -hmm. like, so how'd it go? Oh, not so well. And then, uh, and then I remember hearing through the phone, Corey's going to have to carry the ball and he's going to have to make every single tackle. Well, when I got back, I, I mean, that year, I pretty much did that you in did. that league. Um, I got the end of getting the defensive player of the year. I lost the offensive player of the year by one vote, which was absolutely rigged. And I probably should have won it, um, to be to be quite honest. Literally, uh, no, there, huh? No hard feelings there. Only, it would have been the first time anybody had ever done that. That's the only reason. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, hey, 
sometimes back then you got to fight for those things you didn't know you were going to have bigger and better things to fight for down the road right right yeah. so so yeah it was uh, i played uh, rods we won the championship i remember i i actually injured my knee in the championship game and it was uh, one of those things where uh, my dad was called a timeout so he didn't have to take a playoff so i could come over and get some treatment and went back on and ended up having to punt the ball the next play because i was a punter at that point as well for whatever reason um and then uh so we won the championship that year and then after that you know the leagues being a little bit uh, superior in high school in uh in winnipeg and manitoba i would say i don't at least it was i'm sure it still is um so we uh decided to go over to oak park to play high school football with uh, Gil Bramwell as the head coach. And uh, my dad came over on the coaching staff as well. It was a little bit of a package deal with myself and uh, J.R. Robinson, the son of uh, former CFL or Frank Robinson as well. Right. We kind of went as a package deal. Who was uh, played quarterback and safety for us over there. Um, what is a package deal over to Oak Park? Um, so there, it, there was a little bit of unknowns going to a new high school, but I had all my buddies that I played football with. So I, I knew a lot of guys on the team. I remember I, I remember watching you lose in the finals, Geez, uh, that year, wishing I could get out there and, and help you out. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But we uh, ended up having uh, some really good years in high school. Um, I, I, I personally ended up uh, breaking my ankle in my uh, grade 11 year when I came over. In game two, I think it was, or three, a hairline fracture. Ended up getting my cast taken off, I think it was, eight days before the semifinals ended up uh pretty much not doing school for those eight days and just doing rehab <laughs> ended up playing, playing so i ended up uh we ended up winning uh, that year and then as well as my senior year ended up winning uh our high school championship as well um that same year we lost in the final four for uh, basketball actually mm -hmm. for for oak park so it was uh Quite, quite a run. Um, my my senior year, I was actually named the, uh, I think it was the Winnipeg Sun top 10. Uh, I was the number one football player and I was the number three basketball player in the province that year. So it was uh, definitely doing two sports at, at an elite level for, for a great school over at Oak Park. So yeah, that, that, that was my high school career. And I mean, a lot of fun, a lot of great guys, uh, you know, no different Richard Sylvester uh, guys. I played with Jason Penner who ended up uh, training me for a year once I started playing pro at his gym. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just a lot, a lot of, a lot of good guys, a lot of good memories. Um, obviously, like I said, I had the privilege of not only being coached by Gil Bramwell, you know, who's uh, who's a really old school, uh, knock your dick in the dirt type of guy, yeah. for a lack of a better word. Um, that's his <laughs> saying. So that was uh, he was a, a great guy to play for. And you learn a lot about him. You know, yeah, I, I always remember that big butt kiss video oh, that yeah. he had that he at lunch at lunchtime for, for the big, important games that it yeah. uh yeah, so I, you know, a lot of a lot of great guys like him. Uh, I learned, I got to be coached by Frank Robinson, who was a CFL uh, linebacker. So uh, definitely big influence from from a lot of people. But it was uh, it was a good time over at Oak Park. Yeah, you had a remarkable career over there. Obviously, uh, winning championships and, and studying out both football and basketball. And you know, I, I forgot about the fact that you broke your ankle in grade eleven. That's uh, yeah, I forgot that you ended up kind of coming back late there. Very cool. Sean, let's get into your high school days. You were talking earlier about, you know, being an undersized guy when you first came in, decided to quit. Then you come back playing some QB, playing some receiver. Take me through your high school career. Talk about, you know, some players and coaches that you remember and maybe some memorable moments. Also, when was the last time you were called undersized? <laughs> <laughs> 
the great thing about, especially when you're talking to old guys and you're talking to this, the moment you bring up high school, you just see the, the guy's face glow, right? Yeah. You can just remember the good times and you look back and you're still thinking about, even when you're going through it, you think maybe that it's stressful and you're, or whatever. And now when you look back, you just realize how fun high school was, right? And you can talk about high school and it's great. My high school career, uh, besides that first couple of years when they didn't have seniors, uh, <laughs> after that, it was the best time of my life. I still have friends to this day from that that I can. I go back home and we – same thing with Huck. Huck, when's the last time i seen you? Probably it's got to be I years. I can't remember. Right? And then when we – Not much. Hold up my up, profile. Right? We just pick up where we left <laughs> off. That's what it's like in high school. So when I finally started playing seniors, uh, like my two sports were basketball and, uh, and football – so I was, we pretty much ran an offense where when we threw the ball, I was the receiver. And then when we ran the ball, I would go to quarterback and I'd run the option. Okay. And that was our offense. And then I would play uh, corner and, and linebacker on defense, right? So wherever their good receiver was, I'd go there. Or if they ran the ball, I'd just play, play linebacker. And uh, like I said, my school was really small. We had just over 300 kids. Uh, we had a daycare. Like not a lot of kids went to this school. And our my last year uh with 17 kids wow so 17 kids on our team we made the championship like that year to me will always be cemented in my head the guys on that team i love them to death my coach duquette he's like a father to me um just an awesome awesome guy but our plays were literally sean fly like sean out or if it was wayne in the backfield Wayne, or off tackle right, off tackle left, like very simple because that's what you had to do at my school. And we made it <laughs> to the championship with 17 guys. And I have the picture today where there's like our sideline. You see like there's like four people on the bench. You can see them and all. There's more coaches than there is. We used to have our coaches have to – we could only go half-line practice, right? right. So go right, And then they would put on pads and helmets so we could <laughs> actually try to get somewhat of a scrimmage, right? That's what it was like. And we look over and the other team has like – I swear there's 80 people on their team. <laughs> we ended up being this in the championship because we just couldn't, like, after, they would just wear us down after yeah. a bit. We'd get a big lead in all these games, and then they'd come back and try to beat us at the end. But such a great memory. Uh, we had the, My coach had the whole team sleeping over the night before the championship. We were in the basement, like the whole team, just super, super close. And then, like I said, I was a quarterback, but I was never, ever going to be playing on the university as a quarterback, right? Right. Geez, if you saw me throw it, you'd probably – want to throw up like i'm a sidewinder like right receiver was my thing but Mark i was just down right he put me at, i was like almost like dennis eckersley if he threw a football and but like i said but i was just running the option right so when it came to my last year of high school my head coach left right he's like i'm, I'm leaving and we're getting a new coach and he's like my coach is like i think you should play ako fratman which is tjfl yep right and uh and so, like I said, I was young. All the guys there are get 21 years old and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I made a deal, and I didn't know if I was going to be a receiver or, or a DB for them. So I went out. I, the deal was if I started for them, I was going to play that my last year of high school. And if not, I would come back to high school, right? But my coach okay. is like, if you go, if you're trying to get a scholarship, which I didn't even know what that was at the time, he's like, you're going to be a receiver or a DB. You're not going to be it as a quarterback. So ended up trying out for the AKO Fratman, Mike Morenci, and that group, again, fun. Like me talking, I'm 18. Keep in mind, you have to be 19 to get to the bars and that kind of stuff in Windsor, right? right. Uh, hanging out with an older group again, 
they took me out of their wing and I ended up playing safety for them or their best player was a corner. I'd, I'd go to corner. Um, but I ended up playing for them. I uh, became all conference. I was all Canadian. I just missed defensive player of the year by a couple points, but uh, ended up having a great season and it worked out better than I could possibly imagine. And uh, like I said, but just the football was there, right? So if I only would have stayed and I played DB for high school, maybe we throw, maybe I see a pass once or twice a game, right? right. So you have nine, so you have eight games. So maybe I have 18 chances to deflect a pass or something like that, which usually the passes didn't even show up anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So just film-wise, the film that I got for playing junior football, because I saw a lot of passes in that league, right? right. Playing some good uh, good players. I remember playing Pat Woodcock, ended up being uh, Canadian MVP for the Great Cup. Like, we played against each other when he was in Ottawa. Great players and great competition. So film-wise, it was awesome. Because in high school, I'm using all my offensive play, off, like mostly on offense that I have, um, uh, for my highlight films and stuff like that. So they able to get both of that and to have the competition and to show coaches what, who I was playing against. It's not just kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was a great experience. Um, yeah. Love those times. Love, love those times. I love the excitement. Again, you referenced it just about high school and just have the smiles on her faces talking about those glory days and stuff. But one thing I wanted to talk about, and it's kind of obvious because we've already referenced how many sports you guys played growing up and through high school and that kind of stuff. What is the value of the multi-sport athlete in your guys' opinion? It's absolutely unbelievable. I remember at one point when uh, Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, I think 90% or something like that of his recruits were multi-sport athletes, whether that be, you know, if you're on the football field, you could still go do track. You could, you could go do basketball. There's some sports that conflict and overlap, but there are sports out there that really, you know, help that quick twitch and really get, get help the footwork, like, you know, the footwork from basketball across the football, you know, bodying up, using leverage, mm -hmm. boxing out. It's all, yeah. you know, it's it's fun. I mean, especially you get a bunch of football guys on the basketball court that know what they're doing. You, you guys start banging around. You start have, having some good games, a good physical game. On the flip side, though, you get the guys that don't know what they're doing, and it could be the most dangerous sport you've ever played in your life because <laughs> if you get guys that do not know how to play basketball that play football, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. Miles Garrett just got shut down in the NFL from playing basketball. When you start getting the NFL, then it's like, listen, this is a multi-million dollar athlete. Just yeah. calm down, right? But it's, <laughs> it's like Huck said, it's so important to work on those. The first things coaches would always tell me is when I'm looking, if I'm scouting a DB or I'm scouting a wide receiver, uh, even DN linebacker, I'm looking at ankles, right? Because I want to see if they got those athletic ankles. I want to see how they move, right? And there's such a crossover in those sports, whereas hockey, for example, and we would train with hockey guys at Empower, right? And they weren't always the best lateral movers on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. But it's because they were so quad focused, right? right? So when you're when you have skates on, your ankles are kind of locked in, so it's not as important. So they're very quad dominant and don't really worry about upper body and stuff. So like hockey is a kind of on a on a, a beast all by itself because it's like I said, I always say this: football is the least skilled sport in the world. If you can run, jump, and and sprint fast and lift heavy, they will make you a football player. Right. But hockey is probably the most skilled sport because if you don't have stick handling down at a young age, you're not going anywhere. You could be the biggest, strongest kid. doesn't even matter. If you can't skate and stick handle, you don't have a, ch a chance, right? So I a little different for that sport, but yeah, basketball, football, soccer, a lot of guys do that kind of stuff. And even when I got to the pros, you would learn, like in, in university, you would learn um, backpedaling and all that stuff. 
as soon as you got to motion in the pros, you're playing basketball. I tell people all the time, right. you're just playing basketball. You're catching people and you're moving that way. So it was funny how you could learn to backpedal and plant and do all these things, which I would do at safety. But when it became to like halfback, mm -hmm. I'm playing basketball. That's all it was. Nice little base. And I'm trying to move with you to try to get you so you can't go by me. It's so similar. It's uh, yeah. No, I love that. That's great insight to it. The other factor that I was thinking about is just, and I, and I can kind of relate to this, Corey, when we played senior men's together, basketball, right? Obviously, when I played at Oak Park for Randy Cassano, the offense was ran through the post. So I was a center. I was a post. The, the offense kind of came through me. Not that I was a star or anything, but like my passing skills and that kind of stuff were kind of utilized that way. I remember coming to play senior men's ball with Corey and a bunch of uh, Jason's JT guys. They played basketball completely different, right? They were, you know, kind of like uh, the Golden State Warriors, just jacking threes left, right, and center. And the, if I got the ball once or twice, that, that was all I was getting the ball. But I remember kind of learning just that I needed to become a role player, that it wasn't like my role to be out there to score points, right? So I learned that through playing a different sport. So I think there's lessons that we can learn through sports, not just the physical attributes that you may gain from playing other things, but just the mental components, the things you learn from experiencing different sports. And sports in general, right? Like that's, you you learn that from all, all different kinds of sports. But yeah, you made it definitely knowing your role is huge. And I know I had to deal with that in basketball growing up where I was I was junior MVP, right? So I'm going up to seniors my first year, I'm the option. Mm -hmm. And then we had this crop of young kids in, in basketball. Uh, Hawk knows Walter Ice. I know him as Walter Robinson first, but Walter Spencer. His group of athletes that came up after me are some of the most remarkable athletes to this day I've ever seen. So I went from becoming option A to now I'm the defensive guy and I'm just rocking down rebounds, right? So right. Um, yeah, I know what you mean big time by knowing your role and accepting it. But in football, that's what you do, right? Yes. Like you just have a role to You want to succeed at the next level. How many guys do you know that were all-stars in, whether that be high school and go to university and be a role player or all-stars at university mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden come to the CFL and they look at, look, in training camp, they look at coach like, what do you mean I got to do special teams? Yeah, it's right. like it's like you want to be here or you don't like i mean yeah i i was an all-star linebacker in university i had yep. the accolades to prove it <laughs> at the end of the day that's not really what i was there for you know what i mean that so i was there and, and to be able to accept that role really it, it it allows people to continue on playing where some guys it actually prevents them from continuing on playing yeah, absolutely. And kind of leading in, you were just mentioning, you know, being at the U of M and having a great career there. Court, you decide after high school to make the decision to attend the U of M. I'm interested. Were there other schools that you were interested in at the time? Um, and, and kind of talk about, you know, your experiences playing at the U of M for Coach Doby. I'll be honest, there wasn't a ton of interest at um, a, a lot of universities for for whatever reason. I, I didn't really have the testing numbers or anything like that, but I thought I played some pretty good football. Um, another another team that was uh, really interested that really came down to my other decision was uh, Simon Fraser out in uh, out in BC, where actually it was my dad's. I'll call it my dad's alma mater, where he uh, he, he he attended there for I think it was a four month term so he could play football so he could get drafted after he, I mean, I, I, I don't know if, uh, Andrew Harris actually broke a bunch of his junior yeah, records out in uh, BC. 
that were standing from when he was back there. But he went to Simon Fraser for a, a short cup of coffee a season and, and to get drafted mm-hmm. out to uh, out to Toronto when he was drafted. Yeah. Um, but it was Simon Fraser who uh, who was really interested in me. And my, my decision ultimately came down to they wanted me to go out there and be, be a running back, actually, oh, okay. where I just – I, I, yeah, I get no different than what Sean was saying. I could always do it, and it, it, it was easy. But where I really saw myself was on the defensive end. I, I, you know what I mean? Uh, by diagnosing plays and understanding what's going on, but playing that other side of the ball obviously helped you know, when you're trying to diagnose a play and you know how it's drawn up on the offensive end to be able to defeat it on the defensive end, it's definitely helpful. It really came down to my decision wanting to play linebacker. So it was it was one of those things that I went and I committed to the University of Manitoba, which I mean, at the time, it it was a pretty big decision because they didn't have a lot of young ball players. I mean, I think at that one point, the average starting age was 24 years old or yes. something like that. It, it They ended up ha- get, having a lot of guys that would play five years of junior. And then wasn't, they, it, wasn't um, it more than that, Huck? Like, because I, I thought that year, your year, um, the average age of the Bisons was higher than us at the Bombers. Yeah, it may that, have been. It that, may have been. And so it was it was a big decision for me to go there. And I mean I was confident in my abilities, but you're you're going up against growing ass men. Yes. So that was it, it was it was different. I mean, I, I went there and I, I loved it. I I will I would do the same thing over. I got to stay in my hometown. You know, I didn't 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 go away. I didn't you know, I found a place out to live here, but I didn't accumulate a ton of student debt, which was absolutely huge for, for me in my life. So it, it was the right decision, but it was mainly because I wanted to play defense. That's so committed there and, you know, you go there and they, they really had a strong defense at that time with, the, I mean, <laughs> Israel Adonijah was there for starters. Yeah. I can remember when, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie, we're out at, out at camp and uh, all of a sudden you hear the next day, oh, hey. Cleveland Brown Scouts coming coming tomorrow. So you're know, I'm like, okay, everybody obviously it's like I got a shot. I got a shot. He's here, right? He's here. Everybody. So that but I mean that was only be obviously because of O'Donoghue. But I mean they had some some studs. So you feel like you got a chance to to get back out there and and you know have a chance to go to the NFL. But at the end of the day, you know, my decision to go to Manitoba was great. I spent some great years there. Um, there was definitely an eye-opening uh, my first year with regard to my school i had to do some summer school my first year because you know <laughs> university classes you can't just show up you actually had to put some time in outside of just being in the classroom for myself in high school it was simply show up hey take a few notes and you'll be able to get by um university was a little bit of a different story so i remember having to go to some summer school which for a lot of some of those manitoba guys wasn't wasn't uncommon no. back then when you had um like i said an, an average age of 25 or 26 something like that so it, it was a decision that i made but i i'm happy i did and i I feel like I was well equipped from hanging out with my 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 older brother and his buddies, and you guys beating the crap out of me when I was younger. So, <laughs> so the age gap hopefully didn't feel feel as much as it was. But actually, in university, that's when I uh, met uh, G here for the first time, training with uh, Breeze and uh, Avi Khan, who he was uh, teammates with at the time. I think, correct? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I remember, uh, going up against this guy who was a uh, pretty, uh, well-built frame and pretty quick and it, it, uh, and I, I don't think I've ever told him this and I, I, I don't know if I should, but I remember, uh, training with someone being like, 
I, I got to get to this level to be able to uh, compete on special teams in the CFL. <laughs> like this, he's an athlete. He's quick. He's he's explosive. Yeah, he may be a little stiff sometimes. That that might have been where I could maybe get him. But I, I was I was shocked at at just the speed and and how he worked in the gym. So I, I you gravitate towards that, right? If you want to make it, you 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 try to hang out and spend as much time with people that you see are better than you in certain aspects whatever it may be and uh i, I can remember uh training with you and i mean you, you guys didn't take it easy on me and i i appreciate it you guys grinded me pretty good both the the trainer breeze and yourself and obby you know you you guys held me to a high standard we got into it a few times and it it that's kind of i think when when our bond started to form was when i was in university but being able to train with guys like that you know you're training with pros you're doing the same things they're doing you're getting insight from them i remember doing one-on-one stuff when i was in, in university with with sean and he's you know and when you're doing that drop your foot back this way open up it'll open up your hips more and your your turn will be that much quicker mm-hmm. stuff like that that you know you don't always get so my my time at the university i, I loved it i mean my fourth year i ended up uh, leading canada western interceptions in eight games i had five or six i can't remember what it was uh, there were two games where I had two each on the same quarterback. Yeah, so right. I had four picks on one guy in the one year. So <laughs> everybody's saying I was paying them under the table. Um, <laughs> and, and then I ended up, uh, so I, honestly, that year statistically was probably my best, was my uh, fourth year. Mm-hmm. And then my fifth year, I ended up uh, actually getting all the accolades. So, you know, you don't uh, always get them the, the, the year you think you should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up getting uh, Canada West Defensive Player of the Year. I uh, led the league in tackles and whatnot. So it was uh, a great experience at University of Manitoba. Unfortunately, after I left, the, the team went on and, and won a national championship that following year. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a g- great guy. Shout out to them. They, they did great. They lost two guys. I remember they lost myself and one offensive lineman. Other than that, they are and one D lineman. Other than that, they had all their guys returning, so it was it was something else. But uh, I ended up uh, getting a couple of rings, so it was okay. I balanced it out. <laughs> I know, I know what that feels like, Huck. You know, <laughs> even but you, you, if you noticed when you're listening to Huck speak and, you, and you're and you're watching him, and this is why he fit in with us really well. He's a student of the game, right? Like he he want you can tell he wants to learn. He works hard. He's always showing. Um, he's always showing that he wants to play, right? and that's why. And, he, and I think you worked out with Breeze before that, right? That's yeah, why yeah. that was the end. Uh, yeah. yeah, and like I said, he came out the first day and worked out with us. And like I said, we loved hammering around. Since I met Huck, we've been joking back and forth because that's just our types of personalities and stuff. But you can really tell that he's a student of the game, and you know, you're growing up, and your dad's a coach, and you got friends like you guys and his brother that really study the game and it, and it shows how he how he how he uh excelled at almost every level that he went to right so it's a good job Huck. absolutely you know what I mean, almost the, the comment i like the most Corey, <laughs> is you know talking about your training with sean and kind of learning the intangibles i think that's kind of the really important factor that that maybe coaches don't always have for you right so being able to kind of use a guy that's currently in the pros when you're in university, they can give you those little intangible things here and there is so valuable, right? Sean, I want to transfer to you now. I want to talk about your decision after you played for the AKO Fratman. Was that when you uh, decided to go to Eastern Kentucky? And, and and really, what was your career like out there? What was it like to play football in the States coming from Canada and, and going through the four years there? Well, every, as you can tell, every path of my life has a little drama to it. So uh, yeah, university was no different. So coming where I came from, I didn't even think university was an option. Like I thought 
maybe college, like maybe St. Clair College or something like that and get a trade and do something. And my high school coach was the guy that was like, listen, you can you can get a scholarship in football. And I was like, what's a scholarship? I didn't even know what it was. And he kept pushing me. And he's always, like I said, he's like my dad to this day. Like, I didn't have a dad growing up. And he was always that guy for me. Um, so I played football. And I ended up moving into his house that season. Okay. Right? My old high school coach, John Zuquette. And because my mom is the – she is beautiful. She is the best woman ever. But it would be 2 in the morning and I would come home and she'd be like, what do you want to eat? Like, I didn't really have a rough – like like I said, we didn't have money, but she made sure that I had everything. So he's like, I'm going to make sure that you come live with me. I'm going to teach you how to be a man because we had some guys that would go away, but mm-hmm. they would come back because they'd get homesick. Right. And he did not want me to do that. So he would move me in his house. It'd be Saturday at – six in the morning he'd come in banging pots in the pans and he'd be like get up get up and he'd have me doing yard work like wow he's the best man ever but i i worked like i worked and he really taught me how to a, a good work ethic and, and just to take care of myself so we're going through the process together he's my coach that's kind of um talking for me to all these other coaches so i kind of get like the inside track on everything and there was a few schools there was new hampshire buffalo um, a lot of Canadian schools and Wake Forest. So it ended up being, I took trips to both the other ones and Wake Forest, uh, Tim Duncan was playing there at the time. And they're mm-hmm. like, listen, we're offering you when you come down, it's your scholarship. We'll sign you. We'll bring you to a basketball game. And I'm like, I'm all excited. I'm like, this is perfect. I told the other schools I'm signing with uh, Wake Forest. It was, I got put uh, in the paper. Sean signs with Wake Forest. It was a done deal. And the thing with, and it, the thing that's changed now, which I love, is that these high school athletes train like Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Back when we played, you just hung out all summer, and then you'd show up the first day of school, and your game was the next week, and you weren't in shape. You didn't. I didn't have an off-season program. I didn't even run, right? Like, I love working out now. I still work out every day. I love it. But back then, I had no idea what no idea what it was. So the first couple games, you're just getting into shape, and there was one play in this game where I picked off a ball in the end zone and I went back and forth three times in the end zone and then went up the sideline and a guy caught me from the side and that was in my highlight film. Right. Okay. And so apparently the coaches at wake forest started to analyze that play after they offered me. And then I still know the coach's name. I'm not going to say his name because he's around the CFL, but uh, he's like, um, we got a problem. And I, back then I used to run, uh, I think it was four, six, one or something like that. The last combine, because there was this guy that used to go around all of, uh, uh Canada and he would, you'd, you'd have combines in every city. Ron Dias. What's his name? Ron Dias. Ron, Ron Dias. Yeah, yeah. Ron Dias. Yeah. So I think I was number seven, right? Number the seventh rated player in Canada that year. Okay. And, uh, so Wake Forest offered me and it was a, a done deal. It was almost going to be Syracuse. But it ended up being Wake Forest. And uh, they got that highlight, and they're like, we don't think you can run 4-6. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'll run 4-6 all day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we need to see it. Okay. So they actually came down and timed me. So we had a guy timing me, and the coach came and watched me run at the University of Windsor. And I ran a 4-4-7, a 4-5-6, and a 4-something else. But I'm like, let's go. Like I was like there you like what do you want right so uh 
all of a sudden I walk up to him and he's talking to the University of Windsor coach. And I found all this out later, but um, the University of Windsor coach told him I'm not good enough to play in the States and I should play at University of Windsor instead. So I'll, all the coach said to me from Wake Forest, he's like, thank you. I think you should really think about coming to Windsor and walked away. Holy shit. And I was like, what just happened? I was like, what? what? Yeah. And they pulled the scholarship. So we called Buffalo. We called New Hampshire. They're like, Sean, like we got nothing. Like we, it's already offered. Like we offered all the guys already there. So we're like, what is going on? Like, so I had no school. So I went from having in the paper and I'm going to Wake Forest and all of a sudden I have nothing. And I'm like, uh, okay. So Ron Dias, he's like, no, no, no. Let me work on something. So all of a sudden he's like this weekend, take a trip to Eastern Kentucky. And when I, I never went to Wake Forest for my trip, right? They canceled it before I went, went there. And I visited New Hampshire and I visited Buffalo. And it was just kind of like, I thought it was the weirdest thing because a freshman would take you around, right? And then they'd be like, oh, there's Jeremy. Like, like they didn't even know their seniors, right? I thought that was very weird that they didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. I took my trip to Eastern Kentucky. I drive up five and a half hours from Windsor. I had the best time in my life. Everybody stayed in the same dorm. The whole football team was in one dorm. Didn't matter if you were a senior. It was freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, all in the same dorm. And everyone just hung out. Didn't matter if you were, what what year you were in, everybody hung out. And I had a blast. They offered me that weekend. And I went, um, and I don't regret it because we're, they're a powerhouse in, in 1AA. So I went there. I wasn't sure if I was going to be a receiver or, or a DB, but I ended up being safety. Okay. I didn't redshirt. I played my first year. And uh, when I tell you, uh, that's why maybe Huck and agrees with this or not, but I always tried to make everyone feel, I didn't care if you were a rookie. I didn't care whatever. Everyone's the same. Like there's no hazing. I didn't like that. I didn't care where you were. I just wanted a close team. Let's go to dinner. Let's go hang out. Let's go do whatever. Because in Eastern Kentucky, uh, Chris Guyton, he was a senior uh there that who was my i was his backup right so i'm trying to take his spot he would teach me he would try to like he wouldn't keep anything from me he'd be like okay on this play make sure you look at this and he would show me things and it like brought me up to speed it's not just because you like me (laughs) (laughs) i'm telling you uh you go back to high school matt crookshank was the same type he brought me under his wing. he would teach me chris guyton was the exact same way when i was a freshman he's a senior he's teaching me because when it all comes down to, um, you're only as good as your weakest link. So if you can straight up beat me, right, you beat me. Like, I've never had a problem with that. I always viewed it like the fact that I got to play anyway was a blessing. I didn't even think I'd be here. So I just enjoyed more of the coaching aspect and, and helping other people because that's what you grow up poor. People would help me my whole life. People help my mother their whole life. It's just I love that lesson, that life lesson that you pick up and you kind of bring it when you're, when you're doing things. But yeah, when I got to university, the guys, we were just such a close team. We would hang out. And I'm telling you, in the States, not so much segregation, but it used to be like white dudes over here, black guys over there. Nah, my school, we all hung together. And it was, I'm telling you, it was so much fun. And we all stayed in the same dorm throughout my whole career until my senior year when they, they finally uh, had to demolish our building and they had to move out to other places. But just a great, great time. Um, but it's a different ball game. Like going from Canada to the U.S., there's kids who are like I, when it came to bench press and that kind of stuff. I was always usually the strongest. But like 
they were telling me that they're doing hand cleans that, like in in Pop Warner and they're they're learning how to lift and they're learning football and they're doing all these things and they're just so much more advanced than us. We're finally catching up, right? Like it took us a while to yeah. get caught up where we're starting to do things. But like these guys were coming in mentally just way ahead of me, right? So right. it that part took a little bit um, to learn that part of the game and to learn, uh, like I said, the American style, different from Canada. So it was definitely eye-opening, but the coaches that I had, uh, the people that I met, living in a dorm, like away from parents for four years, nice little time. That was a good little time <laughs> that I had. And uh, like I said, the roommate that I had my first year, I was in his wedding. Still to this day, uh, I consider him one of my best friends, right? So that lifelong friendships that you have. So it's been hard because I haven't been able to go back because just playing in a CFL, you can't ever go back. And then uh, I was trying to go back last year with COVID. But, um, yeah, great memories. Uh, like I said, high school is always going to be like the number, number one. But those bonds that you get from university too, and especially meeting all the people uh, in the States now. Like I have friends. People are always – Facebook can be kind of frustrating at times, right, because you get a lot of – outside stuff that's going on and we'll talk about that later but i can't get rid of it because i literally have friends over two countries right spread out all over canada spread all over the u.s and i love to and i still keep in touch with them to this day and uh yeah just great memories and great friends back at it for the third quarter with Sean Gallant, Corey Hucklock, and Coach Geese. So, guys, in this segment here, I want to talk about, obviously, your CFL careers and, and all the time you guys spent in the league. But both of you exceeded kind of the average football career, and, and you got to be proud of that in yourselves. But I want to start with talking about, um, you know, being drafted, coming into the league. Sean, in 2000, you were the eighth overall pick by Saskatchewan. Can you take me through that moment and what that felt like for you and your family? So, again, I'm from Windsor, Ontario. So... Our radio is American. Our TV is American. I didn't even really know what the CFL was, right? So I remember watching a game back in the day, and there would be Pinball Clemens. I remember him, and I remember Rocket Ismail. Uh, and I remember some of the big quarterbacks like Flutie and stuff like that. But sure. I just grew up Detroit Lions, right? So like Detroit Lions in San Francisco. So I, I, like I said, I really didn't know too much about the CFL. Uh, went to school in the States for university. Um, when I made all conference there, I, it was a shot that maybe I could get a tryout somewhere in the CFL or maybe in the NFL if everything went well, but obviously not. But, uh, so I did the NFL combine, uh, in the Kentucky region, tested pretty well, ran four or five, jumped almost 10, like had a good vert. And the Canadian, um, combine was in Winnipeg, like a couple weeks later. So we went and I was just like, only two teams I don't want to get drafted by are Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Because in my mind, I thought Winnipeg was this little hick town. I had no idea it was a big city. I zero clue it was a big city. I thought it was a little hick town because I couldn't remember it when I was young. So I go to the Combine, and I remember Marcus Howell was there. He was the fastest dude there. And he ran, and it was like a almost a 4-6 or like a 4-5 something. And he said he ran 4-3 in, in, in university. And then I ran. And I remember it was electric and the way that they did it. And me and Donovan Carter, I don't know if you guys know, he played a long time too, but uh, he, he did the NFL combine the week before too. And we ran 
and it was over the loudspeaker and it was so i went from running four high four fives to the nfl and all of a sudden they're like sean gallant eastern kentucky four eight one and i'm like what like i was like i was so embarrassed so embarrassed when they made us do the vertical we had to put our hand down the back of our pants and then just jump flat-footed right so like my vert was like four inches uh, lower than when my nfl one was like you didn't have that like the step or like the your hands free it was just nuts so i'm just like i was so nervous i'm like who's gonna draft the db that runs four eight right (laughs) now it was one of the better times there but still like it was in it was like it was embarrassing i was like that's gonna be on the internet i didn't know what the internet was see huh (laughs) so but the coaches were like don't worry we take two and a half tenths off when you get there so i didn't know what to expect so getting closer to the draft and then teams are starting to call me right so they'd be like I'm um, so-and-so with Toronto. Uh, I talked to Montreal, talked to Hamilton. I thought I was going to go to Montreal, right? They didn't have a pick in the first round, but they, they just seemed like if you're there, we're going to take you. And uh, and I remember Danny Barrett, he just calls, and he's like, Sean, Danny Barrett, Saskatchewan. I'm like, hey. And I was like, I think this dude's a quarterback. I think like, I've yeah. heard that name, right? I'm right. like, I heard his name. So he's talking to me like – and he – is one of the coolest dudes to talk to. Like we're just shooting the shit. Like we're just having a good conversation about life in general and football and stuff. So then he calls me again and we talk again. So the second time I'm like, I need to look this Saskatchewan team up. I'm like, I gotta look them up. And then I see that he's the head coach and I'm like, Oh shoot. (laughs) So next time he calls, I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, no, sir. Yes, sir. Um, So anyway, the draft comes and it's like, I think it's like 12 in the afternoon or something or one in the afternoon, my time I'm at, I'm in class. I can't miss class. Mm-hmm. So I hurry up and get home and I'm like refreshing, refreshing. And it was already past my, like, so it was already in midway through the second round. And I saw that I was in Saskatchewan. So I was like, Oh, cool. And that was the end of it. So you look really? down, there's like all these parties and TSN's like, what number of this, they're going to take this, but no, I was at class. Yeah. I sat there and refreshed for, for four hours for nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, like, literally, it showed, like, the first four picks and then didn't refresh, didn't refresh, didn't refresh. for like, And then all of a sudden, I was in the draft. Like, I was already there, Abe. So, uh, and then they called me, and, um, like I said, it was it was really, really good. I was like, I don't want to be drafted by Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. Came here for the combine, went to Wise Guys, and I was like, I could play for Winnipeg. I'm like, I could play here. <laughs> Loved it. So, and then I was like, so the only team I didn't want to play for was uh, Saskatchewan. I got drafted by Saskatchewan, but even had a blast there. Like we were, that was Danny Barrett's first year. It was a brand new team. We were all young. Uh, some really good players that ended up being great players later on. But uh, yeah, good times. But that, yeah, that was my draft. Like I said, not familiar, not familiar with the CFL. And all of a sudden, you go to Saskatchewan with you guys know they're fans. Yeah, I went to breakfast and there was. I swear there were seventy-year-old women, and they were just like, "I think we're gonna have a good team this year. We got so and so." And I'm like, listening to these ladies, I'm like, "What is going on right now?" Like, very knowledgeable fan base getting to experience um, the whole Labor Day weekend, right? Like that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, great, great experience, and it was like I said, it's a good, a good team to play for. The first thing is, is you you go through a, a draft and you don't get drafted, and Obviously, you're looking to see if you're going to be able to play ball. I was lucky enough that I signed with Winnipeg. I think it was whenever, it was shortly after the draft, whatever that was. And, uh, you know, I figured going to training camp. I was actually, I remember to this day, I was out. Me and my dad were coaching the high school senior bowl out at the University of Manitoba. Right. And I got a call from the GM 
who was uh, Brandon Tamman at the time. Hey, Corey, I'm going to need to see you. I was like, oh, here we go. Like, a GM doesn't want to see you unless you've either been cut, yeah. traded. Bring me, the, bring me the playbook already. You're like, I didn't even yeah, get yeah. a playbook I, I, yet. I go, Coach, I, Brendan, they haven't even given me the playbook yet. I can't <laughs> give it back. Um, so me and my – and I, it was funny because I was with my dad at the time, and I, I didn't have an agent. I, I had enough connections back back then. I mean, I, I, it was a little different, I think, than what it is now. Um, so I had the connections, got got everything out there, ended up not getting drafted, but signed. So they we were they, training at the time, right, Huck? Like we were training, and I had oh, already yeah. signed with Montreal, right? And you were going yeah. with Winnipeg, so we were talking, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I can't wait, telling me he can't wait to go up against me and whip my butt and all that fun stuff. Oh, I'm gonna get six special teams tackles if they line you up on me and all that fun <laughs> stuff. But you know what? It was great for training. But then I literally a day before rookie camp was supposed to start. I get this call and I go, okay, well, Brendan, I'm out coach right now. I'll be by in an hour. He goes, sure. My dad was in, I was driving my dad home. I, he was in the car. He's like, you know, I'm I go, wait here. I'll be back. I go in and we were joking on the way down. He's like, watch, you've been traded to Montreal or you're something like that. And I went in and sure enough, Brendan sits me down. And I mean, he's a great GM to talk to a, a GM that you can actually have a one-on-one conversation with. And he, you know, it's all of a sudden two hours have gone by, but anyways, I sat down and he goes, well, Corey, it's, uh, I've traded you. I said, okay, well, sure. All right, let's roll with it. Where, where am I going? I didn't get cut. I was happy. I didn't get cut. Right? So it's like, all right, I guess I'm going somewhere else to try to make a team. Um, he goes, well, I traded you out to Montreal. All right. I mean, sure. I've never been past uh, past Thunder Bay in Ontario, anywhere out east. So I go, okay, sure, let's go to Montreal, make it a little little more fun. Um, so I ended up, I after that, he goes, uh, Jim Pop will give you a call. He didn't know how anything worked back then. Mm-hmm. So I, GM called, hey, Jay, he goes, yeah, we're starting rookie camp tomorrow. I go, oh, well, like I was literally thought I was going to be living <laughs> at home, going to training <laughs> like let me pack my shit and uh, I'll, I'll be right, right out. Goes, ah, yeah, no, take, take the weekend, come out, just come for, for main camp. At the time, obviously I reached out to Gallon. I go, Hey, Hey, lucky you would get to beat each other up in training camp rather, rather than in a game. So I, and I mean, it was, it was truly um, a blessing in disguise that you, that you don't realize at the time. I mean, I, I was an all-star at the university of Manitoba. If I go to the, go to the Winnipeg blue bomber training camp, I'm going to be in the media every single day. I'm going to have – you're under the microscope a little bit more where mm-hmm. for my, you know, rookie camp, I was able to go to Montreal where I was a nobody. I, I didn't even speak the, their language at, out at St. John Richelieu, just happy that it, I'm getting the It didn't matter. It didn't matter if you would have been an all-star. If you don't speak French, they don't talk to you. Like, they literally <laughs> do not care about you. I, I, I think I did one interview – one time, the whole time I was there, like they didn't care if you didn't speak. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. But and so, like, it, it was really though to be able to focus on football for your rookie, you know, and just zone in. And it was uh, it, it was a great experience. And I mean, I had some some great veterans on that team. Obviously, Sean took me under his wing a little bit. I remember saying, "Hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to make this team, but if I do." Uh, what do we do about living? Like, God, what, what, do they put us in? Like, what, what happens, right? Like, right. I don't know. Uh, and it was, uh, it was uh, something else to to have that shell shock of, okay, at hometown, and then now I'm going out to Montreal. But like I said, it, it was great. Um, made made a lot of good connections out there. Played with some amazing, you know, Hall of Fame 
ball players like uh, Ben Cahoon and Anthony Calvillo and, you know, Jamal Richardson. And I mean, it, the, the names go on and on. Arkel Truluck. I remember, I don't know if we're supposed to say this on this, this show, but Arkel Truluck, you paid for my first lap dance ever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the stories and the connections that you make, but it was uh, a blessing in disguise for me to go out to Montreal, you know, I to spend three years out there and, play with with a lot of good ball players and you know to to win a lot of games I know that one year we didn't win as many as we would have would have liked uh, that first year with Jim Pop as the head coach slash GM um, but you know what it the, the the following two years with Mark Tressman was a little bit of a different story but just it, it was a really good place for me to uh, escape the spotlight and focus on football so it, it was really good for me at the beginning of my career and obviously, I think I already said it, but the great veteran leadership that was there that, you know, I, you hear some of the stuff that was actually going on in Winnipeg at the time or, or the few years before, and it wasn't the same out there and you can uh, focus on football. So it was uh, it was it was a good, good, good experience for me. Puck brings up a good point with the fact like people don't understand this. We'll make the team on Friday. Right. So you'll make the team on Friday and they say, OK, you have the weekend find a place practice on monday and you have to if find a place to live and you're literally like let's go so like we we're calling around like we end up living in the same building like you're just trying to find a place to live and like you have a couple of days just to do that right so it's a very um different kind of lifestyle that people don't understand and like i said in the cfl you can in nfl too you can be cut at any moment too right so you're you can't even really sign a six-month lease because if you're cut then you have to pay all the rent and there's a lot of things that as a, especially as a rookie that you have to deal with that it was good to have, have people around. And, um, I, I was coming from, from Winnipeg where I led the league in ta special team tackles that year. They wanted to go younger. Right. So I told my agent, I'm like, where to? And I had a couple of places that end up being Montreal and you go to Montreal and you're just like, wow, like so much, like, Winnipeg was just so young. You would have went against Spekovic too for long snapping, right? And like Winnipeg had all these vets, first class organization. Like, um, I don't know. I, I had a blast there, Huck. That first year, our special teams room that first year was we had some dogs, man. Like we had, we got after it. Coburn, Spence, like it, it was, we had so much fun. Uh, we didn't win a lot of games, like Huck said, but I, I love playing for Pop. Like I know he enjoyed us. Yeah, we well, had a Thorpe good time. Was our special teams guy, eh? No Thorpe, he was he was real hard on the rookies. He right. he, yeah. he, uh, he uh, was real hard on you, but you know what? He also helped you out. But he 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 gave it to me as a rookie. I can remember that. But great coach, great coach, very knowledgeable coach. But Man, yeah, remember you had guys that were like, not only were were we competing for tackles because you're trying to lead the league and you've got some guys on your team that could all do it. But you're getting paid three to five hundred dollars for each tackle, right? So yeah. that's how a lot of us made our special teams. Um, just to backtrack a second, I, I've had three knee surgeries, right? Four, sorry, four knee surgeries, and um, I learned later on, like when I was in Saskatchewan, I was up for the top Canadian nominee, and that was my whole focus. I didn't even care about special teams. I was like, I just wanted to start safety, start safety. Uh, it was the same way when I went to Ottawa, and then I realized, like. After my surgeries, I couldn't put that. My knees couldn't take the practice anymore, right? And I realized special teams was my bread and butter. And then you realize, wow, 
and then you start to realize how important special teams are. And that team was the first time that we took that serious. And the group of guys that were on special teams, like if you didn't go make the tackle, there was five guys pushing you down. I think I did that to you once, Huck. Yeah, pushed you yeah, out of the way. Trying, to trying to get credit because <laughs> the last guy off would normally get the get the credit for the tackle. Right. Well, everybody didn't know, but that, like you said, that's five hundred dollars to him, or that's five hundred dollars to me. Right. So remember, remember that time that you you're, like you're the long snapper, and Huck would Huck was probably I'd say you're probably the most athletic long snapper in the league at time I, like at, at time yeah and yeah. i yeah when uh Rancis went down and i started doing that for sure right like because like like i said you're a linebacker and you're long snapping and i remember you went down your rookie year and you broke down to make the tackle and i was coming and i pushed him out of the way and i made the tackle i was like you got to get it quick or someone else is coming and huck they were like oh if i don't make this tackle quick someone's gonna take it from me hey, that's yeah. when i learned you got a torpedo you yeah. have to torpedo if you break and here's the thing those returners are more athletic than me. So if I try to stutter step with them, I'm not making the tackle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until it just until I started, you know, you just try to torpedo with your shoulder that hip. And yeah. that's that but yeah, it was like I said, on special teams, we'd have some great battles. And I mean our special teams units with with you, Walt, and I mean Avon Coburn, who wasn't even running back at the time. He was just uh well, he was doing that. He was yeah. And it, it was it was unreal. So I yeah, tell people all the time. I'm another coaching point I try to tell them is, and I didn't learn this till later in my career, which is too bad. Because um, the first, if I would have learned this the first five years of my career, it would have been great for special teams. Is just tackle a leg in the open field. Just grab a leg. You're not gonna blow anybody up. Those things, like you're not gonna blow anybody up. I would just find a leg and hold on to it. And that's all you're trying to do is to make the tackle. And once I start to learn that and learn how that was so much easier than breaking down and trying to make these open field tackles, yeah, 100%, huh? that's that's the way to go. But yeah, I, had, I had a blast with uh, a good time. And then, like you said, when Trestman came, it's funny because we hated him. We actually were going to have him fired by the like the association. Really? Like, we hated him. Yeah. And uh, our, our reps at the time were talking to him, like, because he was a slave. Like, he drove us. Like, oh, yeah. He brought the NFL mentality. He would practice over the time. He was breaking every union rule you've ever seen in your life. He was breaking it. and uh, but We, we were, were winning, winning. though. But we, we were winning, winning, so we're like, maybe we should look into this guy, like listen to this guy. And he started to calm down. We started to work hard. And and uh, that team was amazing. Too bad we didn't pull it out at the end. Like We lost in the championship to Calgary. But um, to play in, play the Great Cup in Montreal that year was, was phenomenal. Great team, and uh, we just missed out on the Great Cup that year, but you guys were lucky enough to get it later. But great team, should have won. Talk about winning the Great Cup that year in Montreal. What year was that? 2009? I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was 2009. That's that's the year after uh, Sean was referring to. He, he decided to come back to Winnipeg at that point in time, I guess. That year was something else because we had – just lost out on it the year before at home yeah. against uh, Calgary. It was at Henry Burris. Yep. Um, we came back the next year, and I mean, we were all about business. It it was. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It probably wasn't as tight knit on the special teams group as as it was. Um, we, it was still a good group, but not like it was that year that that Sean's referencing. Especially um, when the, you tried to use my moves against me. I remember that. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, <laughs> if I don't, I'm silly for not trying, right? <laughs> but but I mean, we went. I it, 
three losses all year. It was uh, it was a season to remember. I remember playing BC in the Eastern Final. How does that sound, right? <laughs> um, in the crossover game, and it was uh, Kate, uh, Casey Printers was a quarterback at the time, and we came out in that game, and we absolutely crushed them. Like, it was unreal. In the big O, it was uh, no question. I, I remember I ended up blocking a punt off my stomach. It was in a, in a skirmish, so I don't think I ended up getting the credit for it. And I actually was going to scoop it up. And um, Jamal Richardson, who's a Hall of Fame uh, receiver, scooped it up in front of me and took it into the end zone. I looked <laughs> I, on the sidelines. I remember looking at him. I go, hey, Jay Rich, man. You get enough of those. You could at least help me out for me to get one of those, right? That was my moment. That was my moment. That was my moment. But I actually ended up getting a, a touchdown earlier in the year in some garbage time that year. I was playing linebacker against uh, Edmonton. Ended up uh, getting an interception yeah. off of I, – I it was Jason Moss, actually, I think, who uh, popped a, a flat pattern off of Archie Whitlock's shoulder. Picked it off, ran. It what seemed like sixty yards. I think it was only about thirty or something like that, and uh, ended up taking it to the house to get a touchdown in a meaningless game uh, that year. But that was a uh, part of part of that run. But I mean, that team that we had, we uh, we knew we were going to win. Now I know we had a little help and all that fun jazz with the thirteenth man, and we all know what happened in two thousand nine when Saskatchewan had a few too many. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It uh, it was our year. It was one of those things we had been there before. We were so close. Um, you know, not not only had the players learned, the coaching staff had had learned that I remember I, I think it was the, with the year before, Tressman didn't realize how long the last three minutes of a CFL game can actually be, how many possessions it could mm-hmm. actually be. We lost a few games because of it. Uh, but you could tell they went back, they did did their homework and they actually were prepared and 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 that was one of our slogans and it's on the inside of my ring today it's it's just the numbers 57 plus three um a lot of people wouldn't understand that but if you were there the year before um as sean was uh we ended up losing a few games because we didn't realize how much time was actually left at the end of a game in in the cfl with three minutes left um that it was uh, a really uh, eye-opening for them and they prepared for it and it was one of those things that we were we were destined to win that year I mean I say that to this day I get the 13th man helped and all that but I mean I, I remember that great cup I actually uh and ended up making a tackle on, on uh Jesse Armstead who I played with as well but he was playing uh playing out there and I remember I ended up getting, getting a tackle I actually have the photo of it um in that great cup game and it was uh it was it was something else. I mean, it was Avon Colbert who ended up winning that game for us. Turned out to be such a great running back. Like yeah. I said, great guy, first of all, great player. And then Huck even mentioned it with Armstead. Like, the league is so small that you end up playing with – you'll play against a guy and then you're, you're on his team the next year. And that's one thing the CFL has that – I don't know if the NFL is like that or not, but they always say that it's not, like the Americans that come over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We played with some of the greatest guys, like – no drama, no nothing. Like just yeah. super, super great guys. And uh, yeah, when the Americans come over, like we, it's just a uh, first. Sure. I don't know. It was just awesome. I, 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 yeah. I think they enjoyed the atmosphere that Canada brought too, right? A lot, lot yeah. more relaxed and a little uh, bit more camaraderie and whatnot too is, is what you got down. But yeah, that year we, it, it was, it was just gonna happen. And I mean, you go back, you know, I know the whole special forces thing. A guy like Avon Coburn, the mm-hmm. only reason that he was there to get his chance at running back 
is because he battled his ass off for two or three years on special teams. They, they tried him at linebacker. He was just such a good athlete that they knew he needed to be on the field, but his, he should have, he was a running back. You know, it's, it's no different than a guy like um, diamond Ferry, who we played with, who I was a rookie with together. I mean, the guy was drafted as a, as a kick returner in the NFL. Right. And then he comes to the CFL. He's trying to play linebacker in a game that he doesn't understand. Right. Uh, and, and I mean, he he may he is one of the best athletes that I've ever seen. That is just a natural athlete, like natural athlete, and, super fast. But, yeah. And and uh, you know, I remember I became such good buddies with him because I was always telling him what to do in in, in his defensive plays. He's like, hey, I got if this happens, this, and I'm telling him because I knew the defense. Hey, Diamond, this is what you got to do. Just go there and do this, and be in between plays. Hey, what do I got on this? So you don't get that, I think, in the NFL. I can't speak because I haven't been there. Um, but it's 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 an amazing to have that and i mean to get that championship was unreal especially you know i'll share this with you and geese i knew you you knew this was going to come on at some point but my sunday dinners at 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 home always uh, always ended off with my dad saying well when you play nine years in the cfl and get two great cup rings then you can have a say yeah so (laughs) that's how i was well on my way to to having uh one of those one of those to at least say, well, I got one. And then now, now, now the old thing is, well, dad, it only took me uh, seven years to get two. <laughs> you nine. That but, was the most bittersweet thing ever. Cause I was so, I, I was so happy for you guys. I was so happy, but in the back of my mind, I was like, you son of a, like, the fact that I left and you won, I was, it was, I felt so bitter, but I was happy for you guys, man. And especially, like I said, knowing your dad got rings and stuff to have, for you to have a ring, like, that must have been a special a special bond for you two, right? To have that for together sure. and stuff. So without a doubt, without a doubt, it definitely uh, uh, surged a bond that you know can't be broken, regardless. Right. So right. yeah, it was it was unreal and absolutely surreal. I remember just the, the celebration afterwards was one of the best parties of my life one of my best friends who i didn't even know was at the game uh chris johnson mm-hmm. um he, he, i see him outside the parking lot wearing my jersey after the great <laughs> cup game man he's like I go, what the heck are you doing here? He goes, oh, I was at the game. I was like, well, let's come to the after party. And we went, we had one of the, the best parties at uh, at Salt Lake, I think it was in, in Calgary. But yeah, that great cup was uh, one of a kind for me. I'll never forget it. You know, my name's on that cup for, we'll see how long that cup's around, but at least my name's <laughs> on it. <laughs> so, Can't take that away, buddy. Can't take that away. Yeah, no, for one sure. Thing, one thing Montreal did, they threw good parties. Yeah, They sure did. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are remarkable stories, guys. I, you know, I love the insight and just the, uh, you know, all the things that went into winning that great cup that year. You know, obviously, Corey, you ended up going to Saskatchewan. You win another great cup there. Uh, you know, going back to you, Sean, and, and talking about your career, you're drafted by Saskatchewan. You end up playing for Winnipeg. You're in Montreal. You're in Ottawa. You know, you guys are kind of, you kind of been there, done it, and you made it on special teams, right? So you, you've kind of alluded to it, but, you know, I'm Corey, I'm even thinking about when you were at the U of M, when you decided to learn how to long snap, how valuable that probably was for your career. But can you guys speak upon just being a Canadian and kind of earning your way through special teams in the league? And I, like I said, I wish, I wish I knew this early on in my career. Like I would do special teams because I, like my first year I didn't start, so I was a special team guy, but I didn't realize the importance of it, right? And then when you, I finally got uh, to the point where that was my thing, you can make it, like, you look back at uh, uh, my fiance now is, is Jen and her um, stepbrothers, Wade, right? Wade Miller. Look at the, his career that he had on special teams, right? So many 
you can look at the at back and all these Canadians that play a long 10, 11, 12 years just from special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's huge, right? Because a lot of times, like Huck even mentioned, to have an American like Coburn or Kyrie Zaber, he used to take really take it serious. And some of them really do take it serious. But that's when you come from the States, you don't really view like you don't when you punt, it's a lot fair catch all the time. Like like the the ball is being kicked out of the end zone on a kickoff. So you're not right. really taking the emphasis where special teams in the CFL is literally a third of the game. Mm-hmm. You can change field position. I remember to make it to the Great Cup, we beat Edmonton because of our special teams. We, we brought two back for touchdowns. Like Larry Taylor broke a record for the most uh, right. 110 yards in the game. Right. It, can, it made a difference numerous times on special teams, right? So – would I have had a 11 year career if I didn't play special teams? Heck no. I probably would have, my knees were so washed up that I maybe would have played six or five or six. But once I became um, a valuable asset in that way, right? Uh, it, like I said, it got me to 11 years. So it is huge. And a lot of, um, like I said, I wish I had realized it my first five years. So I would have like tried hard. Let's say tried harder, but. Like I said, the way that I played my last six compared to my first five, it was more of an emphasis on offense. But a lot of these young kids are coming in now, and they realize that, and they're demons on special teams. So it's good to see how the leagues, uh, these guys are getting 20, 30 tackles their first couple years, which is mm-hmm. which is awesome. Like, And plus, the athleticism these guys have now and the work ethic that they have in the gym and doing stuff, you can really see that they're, they're stepping up a notch, so it's good. For me, when my biggest thing um, to have in my back pocket was my long snapping, which I, the only reason I ended up doing it mm-hmm. is because Coach Brian Doby at the University of Manitoba, I was going into my fifth year and we lost our long snapper. Right. He goes, go out and uh, Lloyd Orris, who was one of our coaches, he'll teach you how to long snap. So you go out, hey, it's, I'm trying to help the team. I mean, we were trying to win a Vanier Cup for crying out loud, right? So you, you go out there and you, sure, yeah, I can throw the ball between my legs. Like, how, how hard could this be? I ended up. So you just ended up doing it. And uh, for myself, because of me doing that, what a lot of people don't know is the reason that Jim Pop made a trade for me was because he saw, he was watching two offensive linemen's uh, game film. Mm-hmm. He goes, who's that guy snapping the ball and running downfield making all the tackles? Right. He was doing his, his homework for the draft. Mm-hmm. And one of his draft guys, who I actually met after the fact, Said, oh no, I was in my fifth year. He goes, oh no, he's he's in his second year. Hold off on that. Yeah. So then, after he found out that it was me and I signed with with Winnipeg, he ended up calling Cam and saying, hey, I, I want to trade for this guy. So that's how I ended up actually getting out oh, there. Wow. Um, but from my perspective, to be able to long snap, yeah, you know what? There were games, and there was I, my two years that I did it full time. But other than that, the ability to long snap and to be able to Back up a, a linebacker, albeit a third string if need be, um, or, and play, you know, four other special teams as well, and having the ability to long snap. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I couldn't do that, may have, if I couldn't long snap, may have I made the league and played one or two years? Yeah, you know what? I think I could have bounced around on special teams, sure. bounced around on a practice roster here and there, and, and played a few games and played some some special teams. Yeah, I do. But if, if I didn't have that in my back pocket, it wouldn't have given me the opportunities that I've had to play football in the Canadian Football League. There's no doubt about it. And, and I'll be honest, it's something that I fell into. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And it's benefited me. And I, I try to tell people, hey, the more you can do, 
the longer they keep you around. I make, I know I make that joke at work and people don't get it. I said, well, when you can get cut any day, day of the week, you walk into the office, you're going to do as much as you can to, to keep you around. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's fun playing special teams, man. It changes the game in the CFL, um, which a lot of people don't realize. Like it, it really does. It provided me a great seven year career, which I'll, I'll be honest, probably wouldn't have been the case if that, that weren't. It's funny you say that the more you can do it, Nick, we would go to dinner or we, like, even when I came to Winnipeg with Brady Brown and Ian Logan, like, you spend a third of your dinner, especially in the early part of the season, or, like, in training camp, wondering if you're going to get cut or not. Like, okay, they're bringing in this guy. Like, this guy could be, like, I don't know if I make it. Are you going to make it? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, what's going on? And, like, so now I'm a cop now where I literally I, – I go into situations where may, some people might be a little freaked out. I face way more stress playing than I ever did, I ever did uh, in my job here, but it prepares you for like, and now that you get a paycheck every week, you don't have to worry about getting cut way more relaxing than it is playing, playing football. Right. It's and a, guess what? I'm not late to any meetings. Cause that used to cost me $500. And that's like, right. If you miss at all, you used to get in trouble. I remember I missed one. I've only missed. I was only late for one practice my entire career. It was because we would take the Metro in Montreal and it broke down. <laughs> doesn't speak English like when they do their announcements and I'm like I don't know what it's saying like am I getting off right now like am I waiting yeah. and there was two of us that were on the metro and we're just like I don't know like so we waited mm. and it ended up being like there's they were saying it's gonna take 20 minutes but I didn't know what it was saying but so I was five minutes late and they're like you're late and I'm like I, I had no like it wasn't my fault but they yeah. don't want to hear that if you're late no. you're late so uh, yeah, it's just interesting. It, made, it prepares you for uh, real life and more because, yeah, real life isn't even that hard. Oh, you're five minutes late? No problem. I'm like, no problem. You're not going to beat me. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Core, I can remember us talking, you know, when you were in your in Montreal for your first year there and me kind of talking to you on the phone and, and kind of hearing the stress of always kind of being on your toes all the time, right? like you guys are just talking about, maybe you're going to get cut tomorrow. Maybe, maybe they're going to trade you. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not going to play all that kind of stuff. So I remember for me as, you know, a fan, that was kind of eye opening. Cause I was like, wow, like he's made the team and he's still stressed out all the time because you know, you never know what's going to happen. So that's some crazy insight to it. And I think talking about the special teams element, the more that you can do is also really valuable for the young guys. I got a lot of young guys that are listening to this podcast. So I think it's valuable for them to hear that as well, that you can make a living on playing special teams, right? So, uh, you know, super good, super good information. Now, Corey, you played seven years in the league. Sean, you played 11. You guys eventually come to the time when it's time to retire. I'm interested, Sean, I'll start with you. What went into that decision to retire from the game? And, and really, how did you adapt to a life without football? And Corey knows this. When I got to the point where, um, like I said, with my knee surgeries and stuff, I, I came to Winnipeg in 05 thinking it was my last year. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, had a good year in 05, so I was like, okay, one more. I'll play one more. Had another good year on special teams. And uh, so I was like, okay, one more. And I went to Montreal. I'm like, one more. And, like, Huck knows, like, I stayed in my room. Like, I never went anywhere. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything because I always thought it was my last year. Hey, look at that, Huck. I still got the paintings up there that I did in, in Montreal. Yeah. I was just going to say the artwork. I like it. Yeah. Um I, I always thought it was my last year, right? So uh, I knew I wanted to be a cop afterward. 
And that transition from playing football to what you're going to do your career is pretty stressful for a lot of guys mm-hmm. because it can come from any any point, right? So you're used to making a, a certain amount of money and you don't know when that's going to stop and it's hard to transition into that next that next profession. And I never wanted to work um, in the off-season because I took my training serious with like Huck Nose. So I always that was always my focus is doing that. And I was like, just play as much as I can. So I went to Montreal. And I actually applied for the Winnipeg uh, police in 2007. Okay. Went through the process. Um, and I swear to you, they asked me 10 questions on team. Like, how do you function in a team? How do you, and I'm like, I'm answering these questions thinking like, I'm in. Like, this is good. Mm-hmm. Ended up, didn't get in. They were like, no, you didn't pass. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't pass. Like, this is, questions were made for me. I'm like, no. So they're like, no, uh, you didn't pass. Try again. And I was going to quit. Uh, I was going to retire, and then uh, Coach Jones for Montreal, so you're our second year there, he convinced me to come back for one more one more year. So I came back um, and then had another good year, so I'm like, screw it. One more, I came back to Winnipeg because I was living here, became my hometown. So I'm like, I'm going to finally go to a hometown team. Went there. Again, I was, apply- I was like, this is my last year. I applied for the police. And I'm going through the whole process. Um, that was when um, had a like a like I said a, another good year, and I was all the way through the police process. I made it to the background checks, and they were like, "We're actually going to freeze the class, and we're not going to do it again till next year." Oh, and I'm like, boy. "What?" So I was like, "One more season." <laughs> so I went back, and I ended up playing one more season. Um, that's a whole another little little story, but. Um, Played that season, was done in uh, like November, and then police started in February. So uh, I always had, like I said, I went through my last five years probably of thinking this was my last year, give it everything you got, last year, give it everything you got. And then uh, it wasn't until I got on with police and it was official that I was like, I was ready. Like I, at the, so I was ready to be done. It got to the point where it was so business. Um, I you was were the ready union. in Montreal. You were ready uh, in Montreal. Yeah, like, I, w- I was the I was the union rep, the player rep too, right? So like okay. you're dealing with all this. There's so much behind the scenes things that um, these players deal with because the contracts aren't guaranteed and GMs try to screw them out of money and and uh, it, it just got to the point where I was like, uh, it's not fun anymore and I'm and I'm done. So it, everything came at the perfect time. I'm glad it ended when it did. But uh, yeah, I had it in my mind that I wanted to be a police officer. It's just whenever I got hired is when I was leaving. I, I decided to hang him up after seven years. It was uh, I got cut from Montreal in uh, after we won the Great Cup uh, in uh, 2010 um, in training camp, and I actually thought I was done playing football for good, like most people would have. Mm-hmm. Um, driving back from Montreal in my th- in 24 hours was was fun, but I uh, ended up signing back on. But that was eye opening for me. So while I was in Saskatchewan, I started to try to explore what kind of things I could do after football. Um, in the off season ended up somehow getting into the financial services industry and insurance industry. Um, it was working for myself with a partner. Uh, I've now moved on and I'm working for uh, hub international on the employee benefit and life insurance side of things. Um, but it was, uh, uh, it was a tough transition. I'll be honest. When I decided to actually retire, it was more of a, of a family decision. Um, I, I had my daughter at the time. Uh, I wanted to, to be with her. I was in Saskatchewan. Um, my wife was going back to work. So it was, it needed to be done, but 
it's tough to replace that. I mean, at least I, I, I mean, what Sean did to, to replace that with the police force and, you know, still getting some of that similar camaraderie, probably not the same, but very similar in, in, in regards to team and all that. Um, it, it, it was a tough decision for me. Um, when I actually went in and told Brendan Tamman that I was ready to, to retire, he at the time even said, do you want me to trade you to Winnipeg for a seventh round pick? Like yeah. he goes, I know they would take you. And I'll be honest, the, the organization wasn't in a great spot at the time. Um, <laughs> that, that's the reality of it. I looked at it as what am I going to do? Go collect some money for, for, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately a losing season uh, at that point in my career, I, I wasn't wanting to do that. I just won a great cup. I have two great cups. I know Sean doesn't like me saying it. Um, I just, I felt like I had accomplished what I needed to accomplish. Um, yeah, I would have loved to get that third one so I could tell my dad, hey, look at me, I got three, <laughs> you got two. Um, but, you know, to be the only uh, the, the only father and son to have two great cups from playing in the CFL is uh, is a pretty special. I know the uh, the Longs have now both done it twice in the in the NFL, so we're not the only father-son combo <laughs> out there. Um, but, it, you know, it, it was a decision that I had to make it was the right decision, but it was a tough decision. And it was a tough transition back to the, 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 the real world, as I like to call it. I'll be honest, when we're playing, you're hanging out with the same 60 dudes all day. You're living with them. You're, you're, you're roommates with them. You're traveling with them. You're roommates with them on the road. You don't get that anywhere else. You can't replace that. And if, if you go into retirement or whether that, and I mean, I was one of the ones lucky enough to leave football on my own terms mm -hmm. as with Sean. That's I the mean, difference. we're, we're 0.001 of people who end up when you're done playing football, it's somebody telling you that you're done playing football. Right. So we at least had the luxury to say, Hey, you know what? We've done it. We did it. We're, we're going out on our own terms. You can't replace that. And you'd never want to look back and say, Hey, maybe I should have done one more year. Maybe I should have, honestly, I'm, I'm really happy with my decision now, but it, it was a tough transition for a couple of years to, to, to settle into what, what I like to call an everyday life. Right. Like it's, it's, it's just different. Um, you have the memories like Sean, I, I don't know even when the last time we talked was people on here probably think we're best buddies and hang out every day <laughs> after this. Um, but you just, you, you develop those bonds and it, that's what you try to hold on to. But there's a lot of that football aspect, even if you are coaching, there's a lot of that stuff that you can't replace. So I, I did have a hard time with that, but it's, we moved on and it's, uh, things are on the up and up and now I'm doing, doing well. Back at it for the fourth quarter with Coach Gies, Corey Huckluck, and Sean Gallant. So, Sean, thinking back, I remember when uh, you first got on the police force and I was working at the Manitoba Youth Center and you came in bringing in a kid one night and we were shooting the shit. And uh, since then, I, I've left corrections. I had a, had a pretty bad injury to my shoulder and ended up kind of getting a, a new job placement out of it. And uh, I'm quite happy with, with that. I was, I was glad to get out of the corrections world. Um, but, uh, you know, you being a, a WPS officer, uh, just recently being on the SWAT team, obviously in the world of today in 2021 of all, everything that's been going on, uh, I, I really feel for yourself and, and other officers and, and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, 
you know, there's a, there's a stigma out there, right? And I, I'd like to, you know, kind of turn it over to you to kind of talk about that and, and your feelings on that. Like I said, coming from a place where I always wanted to be a cop, right? Um, I had a guy that when I was a young, living in the neighborhood that I did, uh, his name was Mad Dog McKenzie, and he would always be in the community helping kids out. Um, and you just look up to him, right? So it was something that I always wanted to do. So um, when I had the chance later on, uh, I knew I was going to do it. And when I got on, I was super, super excited. Um, and the truth is, uh, with the addition of social media, you kind of hear all the bad things, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a profession where, as you can see, when something happens in Minneapolis and an officer does something stupid, we pay for it in Winnipeg, right? So it's a... Uh, it's one of those things where, especially in the States right now, a lot of stuff's going on and comes over here. When you pay attention to social media, like I said, and I'm on it because that's a lot of my network is on it, on my friends and stuff, it kind of gets to you a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I talked about it before where I have um, a great group of friends that I still have on Facebook, white, black, Muslim, doesn't matter. And it lets me... I'm, I, I, I take it head on, right? So when a situation comes up and you have a shooting that they have questions about, I love to reach out and they know they can call me and they're like, Sean, what do you think about this? Or, or what's going on with this? Because I want to know what they're thinking, right? Because maybe my view of a situation is different than their view of a situation. And I'm not saying I'm right and I'm not saying they're right. But because of that, it gives me a better understanding of what they're thinking about, right? So mm -hmm. um, a lot of times that like you said, it is, it's, it's an interesting um, uh, job right now and the fact that everything is critiqued. But when you put social media away and you go out in the public and you talk to people, it's not that bad and you start to remember. And uh, that's why like I said, coming from the, the tactical support team, like the SWAT team, you don't get a, a chance to see that. But when I, when I became a police officer, I always wanted to work in the community. I'm finally doing that and talking to youth and stuff and starting to get out there. Because I hate that. I hate that people have a view of police officers and that's all they know, right? So I love that I get to go out and have conversations and, and deal with people and then let them know that because it breaks my heart that they don't think that I'm there to help. That's my goal is to help them, right? So um, like I said, it's 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 great because the people that I work, I, I, I know they're awesome. Um, I try to go out and do my job and there's great people. But then at the same time, you have like what happened in Minneapolis and you see that and you're angry because that officer just disgraced what you do for a living. Right. right. And like I said, we're with you on that one um, at the same time, but uh, definitely uh, like for whatever reason, I chose the two professions that have the most criticism you've ever yeah. seen in your life. Right. That's you play football and everyone in the stands think they can do your job and then you come a cop and everyone thinks they can do your job there. Right. So uh, I've chose those two professions. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. Like I said, football has got me to meet a bunch of guys like you and then uh, great guys at work, too. Mm -hmm. At least you don't have to go in for a film session after after police work. <laughs> well, you say that, but yeah. now that's kind of what it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. And I always view like you are being filmed anyway, right? So uh, I don't mind it at all. But, uh, yeah, the way things are right now is you could be filmed. <laughs> so instead of just our room seeing it, now you're going to have to see it replayed. Uh, over and over again, like the case, like I said, in Minneapolis. But um, that's an honorable profession, and any, anybody that's in it, I give them uh, respect, obviously. But uh, interesting times for sure. Yeah, and and I give you respect and commend you for doing that job because you know it's not an easy it's not an easy job in the first place. Again, from my corrections background, 
you know, it's a, obviously a different environment, but it's not an easy job to keep your cool all the time. And uh, you're, you're really providing a great service for our community in protecting our people. So, and I also like the fact that you talked about kind of the real world aside from the social media, because I think that's very true that people in general, you know, kind of lump everything in together. We're only seeing the bad. I, you, yeah. you may notice on my Facebook, often I'm trying to post positive things about police because I do support you and, and I know how tough your job is. So again, we really appreciate that. Corey, uh, we talked about you being in the financial world. Obviously, we've gone through, you know, COVID pandemic year. How has that affected your work? And in terms of your family, how have you adjusted to, to just the pandemic and, and, you know, being inside all the time and all that kind of stuff? For, for myself, I mean, I'm pretty lucky uh, being uh, that the employee benefit world was deemed an essential service. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, fortunate more than a lot of other people were and did continue to work throughout the pandemic. Uh, yeah, I did turn and, and start working from home, but I was lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, it, 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 it was all right. I mean, we've had some great weather uh, throughout the pandemic. So myself and the kids, you know, in the winter, we got out skating as much as possible. In the summer, we're riding our bikes, we're going up to the cabin. So we're, we're trying to just and I mean, it's been great. I bike ride with my daughter probably every day, if not every second day, you know, we go for a seven, eight, 10 kilometer bike ride. So mm -hmm. it's we were just trying to get as much physical activity both inside and outside as much as we can. Um, but yeah you know did like everybody else you you rather than turning outwards to your friends and stuff you turn in, inwards to your family and uh, and you try you put the focus on there um you, and you do you do the best you can i mean it was it was uh definitely some trying times when the kids were not in school um i'll be honest when they're when they were doing remote learning uh it it, it uh definitely made it tough to uh you know, be, you're, you're, you're working, you're being yeah. a dad, you're being a teacher, uh, you, you're getting pulled in a lot of directions. Um, but you also got to think of it, Hey, look at this time that I'm getting to spend with my family. Yes. Right. Like this is unprecedented. I'll never get this at home time with my family again. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, as long as you can step away and look at the, look at it from that perspective, it definitely is, uh, it, it's been okay for myself. I know not everybody's been as fortunate with regards to employment, all that. Um, but I, I have been fortunate enough to continue being employed, um, being in the sales industry, you know, that's obviously slowed down a little bit. Um, but you, you do the best you can and you adapt no different than on the football field. If things aren't going one way, you adapt and go another way. Same, same now. I mean, we're doing this uh, as a virtual meeting. Trust me, I'm in these virtual meetings all the time. So it's, uh, it, it's definitely different, but we've, uh, I personally have had, uh, some really good moments throughout it just with with regards to spending time with my kids yeah and absolutely i can i can also second that like i've been able to work from home as well since basically since you know late april of 2020 it's honestly been life-changing right it's a different world but but you're right the the inwardness of being with your family and getting to spend that quality time and kind of being locked in forces you to spend that extra time and, and it's been really valuable for me sean how have you adapted with your family and your work to the pandemic well the difference i guess with my work is it didn't change one bit right like so um we're still having to go out except we're wearing a mask now right mm -hmm. so there's not much different for me um but like huck touched touched on it a little bit and and it sounds bad so i don't want to take this the wrong way but the the pandemic has been great for me, right? Because I'm still going to work, but I literally moved in my new house in LaSalle in March and then COVID hit. 
So we live on the water now. I have a nice place where we get to enjoy. It's like our own little sanctuary. And then I had my daughter, my first daughter in May 28th. So I've got to spend so much time with her. And Jen's been home with her all the time. We've had so much family time, like Huck touched on right now. Uh, Jen's a teacher, so she's been off on mat leave. Like I said, everything's closed, so we're just together all the time. Probably time that I wouldn't have had if, if it wasn't going through this pandemic. And I think a lot of people have noticed how important family is out of this. So I, it's a it's a it's a horrible uh, thing, and it's and like I said, a lot of people are suffering. Um, Jen had a different job as an athletic therapist. She used to do two things. That closed down because, like I said. I feel so bad for these small businesses right now because they are hurting. But the one thing that we can take from it is that I think families got close together because you're spending so much time. And I love it. Like I value uh, every moment that I have with my daughter right now. So I got to experience that part of it, which is a, is a good thing and, and something that I'm taking out of this bad situation. Switching gears here, guys, and getting kind of into current events, uh, the CFL had uh, an announcement a couple of weeks ago that they're going to play in August. That's that's what everything that's what we're looking at. Um, I'm interested as as former ball players yourself playing in the league. What are your feelings on the return of the CFL, Corey? I'll start with you. Um, you know, I think they need to get back on the field. I know that you got to adhere to all the public health regulations and whatnot, um, but I I I, I think it, it's great. Um, I get there's extra precautions that need to be made. Um, I think it could be a really interesting year um, with regards to, you know, teams, injuries, uh, are guys going to come back at the same level that they left at? So I think you got a lot of interesting dynamics at play with this, with the upcoming CFL season. Um, You know, if we're strictly, are we, are we keeping this strictly to, to the CFL season or are we getting into, you know, the whole XFL, CFL talks, that type of thing. Um, You know, if we're strictly talking about this season, I am super excited. I think they need to get back on the field, and I think we need to keep the tradition going. So um, I, I do know there's going to be some extra work involved with that, but uh, I, I hope they can do it, and am excited, and will will be a fan. Such a hard, it's such a hard. Uh, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. If I was playing at the time, and and you're looking at it like the difference between the CFL is CFL is is gate driven, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is fans and, and buying stuff, merchandise and food and stuff like that compared to the NFL where their entire salary and, and structure is built off TV, right. right? So everything that they get paid from TV rights, they don't even need anyone to show up to the games and they're making a ton yeah. of money, right? which is so different from the CFL. So to have no fans at the stadium and still being expected to, to pay the players what they're owed and play 17 games, like, because I'm looking at it as an as a as a union rep guy, and I'm like, well, we need to get paid, and the yeah. owners are looking at it like, well, how am I supposed to pay you? Like, right. we're not getting the money. Like, where's this money coming from? Uh, it was just a, it was a horrible situation. Um, the only way I said you can do it is if you get all the fans in the stands, right, to try to to fill that up. So that way, like I said, these teams are they're trying to work on a margin that's how many times in the past has the CFL teams almost gone bankrupt, right? Or mm-hmm. as a couple other teams supported some of the lower teams, right? So it's, it's a, it's a, I, I don't envy the situation that they're in. The CFL is one of the longest running leagues in, in the history of all sports. So I hope it continues and I'm glad it's continuing, but I'm just looking at all the different angles of even the guys. Like, so you go from having a paycheck that that is your plan and all of a sudden you don't have a paycheck that year. So what do you do? Yeah. You take a job, 
but then you tell the job, I might be leaving any time to go play football. Are right. they going to hire you? Um, a lot of logistics behind the scenes that people aren't even thinking about. They just look at it like, let's play. Come on. It's simple. Um, like I said, I hope it, uh, I'm glad it's, they said they're coming back. I hope it comes back strong and, and we get some fans out and have a good time because Winnipeg wants it, right? Like they're mm-hmm. thirsty for some action and for some football. And especially, like I said, the way that Wade and, and O'Shea and Waters have this team running right now, like to hear the guys talk, they love this team, right? So, and they just won the great cup. So I, I hope they get to be part of that. And uh, yeah, but I don't envy the situation that they have to deal with this pandemic because it's a logistics nightmare. It's logistics yeah. nightmare. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, Corey, you mentioned it. There's talk in the future of this XFL merger or some sort. I probably have a pretty good idea how you guys feel about that. I know I'm not really a big fan of that, and I'm worried about all the things all of us Canadians are worried about, right? Losing our the heritage of our game. I'm really concerned, obviously, with the Canadian ratio. Do guys like you guys make the league if there's no Canadian ratio in the future? How does that affect youth football in Canada? All those kind of things are concerns of mine. I really hope we... We keep our game, and we don't necessarily need to to merge with anybody. Do you guys feel differently about what I'm saying? No, I mean, I, I'm I'm on the same page as you. Is you you worry about the Canadian content? Yeah. Um, you worry about the Canadian game. Uh, if if you partner with that, like they may want to go to four downs. That if you go to four downs, you're a feeder league for the for the NFL. That that that's all you are in my eyes. Um, I I think you lose the the Canadian ratio. Um, I don't know if I would have ever been playing mm-hmm. personally. Um, I I don't think that would would be the case. So I mean, I honestly don't even think that you would even have guys that you know maybe came into the league as not such a big name like a like a Brad Sinopoli, who's who's uh, an all Canadian and all this. But I honestly, you do that if you don't have the ratio. I don't even know if a guy like that's in the league. Right. So. I, I just I, I don't think I mean I don't I'm not behind the scenes and I know there's some financial issues with the the CFL. I I would try to avoid that at all costs. It's been a long-standing league. Um, it's I I, the, I I see it as two different segments. So you have you have the segments in in the east and then you have the segments in the in the west where the west they they're community owned. They want to keep the game going. They want to do what it is. And then, you know, you got other people elsewhere saying, well, we're not making money or who knows what the situation is. Um, but I, I don't see it as a good thing. I get, hey, they may have the right intentions and, you know, there's some good people involved and some deep pockets. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this league has ran on its own for 106 years or whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, and, and you lose that Canadian content. Um, me personally... I will not be a fan if you don't have Canadian content. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing the American game, um, if you're playing that in Canada, unfortunately, sorry, I'm probably going to watch the college and, and the NFL instead. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, I hope that nothing comes from it. Uh, I hope that they do get fans in the stands and back playing. Like I do, I'm not naive to, to the logistic nightmares that, that they may uh, have upcoming for them. Um, being Having dealt with some of those and not in a COVID year, just regular professional football in the CFL. Um, so it's, it's, like I said, I hope that they can and I, I hope they stay away from those talks. But that's just my personal opinion. And like I said, I just, you know, you hear a guy like Russ Jackson come out and say, well, I've been a season ticket holder here forever. I really don't know if I'd keep those if we're playing the American game. And I and I don't disagree with them. No. It, it wouldn't. Like, you, our, our game is different 
is what differentiates it from the NFL, right? So if it becomes the same, I'm watching the NFL. So I, right. yeah, that's what it is. But and people have to remember. So when you're going through negotiations for the last, I don't know how many contracts, that's always comes up about keeping Canadian content in the game because, like it or not, that's what the staple is the Canadians, right? So right. like that's who's here all off season. That's who's uh, people people see and your hometown boys and that kind of thing. Um, but manager or the GMs, especially, they would love to have it more American because there's so many. Like Huck knows, yeah. athletically, there's there's so there's 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 so athletic it's insane, right? So for a Canadian to bust in the league, like you said, to make on special teams and do that, it would be far fetched for a lot of us to even even make the team. But yeah. you wouldn't have it for sure. So obviously, as a, looking at it as a Canadian, you want. It's, it's that's how it's always been, right? You look yeah. back at through the years, and you're seeing that these great Canadian players. Um, yeah, I would I would hate to see that to see that leave. It'd be cool if you did like a uh, an All Star game versus the X or something like that, just yeah. make it like a fun thing to have that or whatever. Yeah. But no, I I think you'd have to keep it Canadian because you'd have a lot of people turn it off, and I think they would just switch to the NFL. I think uh, at that point, but like I said, I could be wrong, but. I would hate to see the league go American for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Well, I remember back when they were talking about changing that that uh, ratio rule was 2009, and both uh, us and Saskatchewan, the both teams in the Grey Cup, both started nine, two, two or three above what Canadians were were required right. to start. So, I mean, there is value, but yeah, if you change, if you don't have that, I don't think you're seeing very many playing football. No, I 100% agree with you guys. You know, as somebody that trains youth kids and, and, you know, trying to make them better football players, I worry about the future if we do merge, right? Because, like you said, if if it becomes a four-down game, does that mean that amateur football here in Canada all goes to four downs? And if there's no ratio, yeah, right? For guys like yourselves, guys like me that grew up watching the CFL, that at least had the dream of, I want to play in the CFL, does the kid of, you know, five years from now, if this happens – do they have that same dream? Do they even want to, you know, right. pursue that? I just, I think there's a lot that could hurt, you know, just football amateurly in Canada. But, uh, you know. I always think they're going to go on, but that's just me. I, I, yeah. I, I can't see Mr. Glass happen. half full. Mr. Glass half full. That, mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Everything always works out. Everything yeah. always works out. No, and I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But uh, talking about something else, you know, the Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay is going on. He's holding out, or I don't know what's going on. Is what do you guys feel? Is he going to get traded? Is he going to show up to camp? Is he going to sit out? What are your thoughts? He's in a different cat, though, right? So yeah, a lot of times you look at guys, and even we play with people who are like they're going to pretend to sit out, but they're not going to sit out. They need the money. He literally going back to his brother being on The Bachelor and talking mm-hmm. about his family and girls that he's dating. He doesn't give an f. Like mm-hmm. that guy it's almost just like, he's like, whatever, I don't care. So, and I don't get me wrong. Like to never draft a, like a receiver or an offensive player like that in the first round forever for him is insane. Like that is crazy. And you're just putting everything on his back. So I see his frustrations, right. Where he wants, uh, wants a little bit. Um, and of course he's a little bit of a diva, right. Cause he's a quarterback and he's been around for so long. Like I said, we've, it's funny because, um, and Huck can speak to this. Quarterbacks, like they always get baby. Like never trust them. Would do that with Cavillo, and yeah. And like, and if a quarterback got cut from your team, the media would be like, "How do you feel? So and so got cut." And I'm like, 
eight of my DBs got cut last week. Like right. <laughs> so we're just used to getting cut all the time. Like all my friends have gotten cut. So yeah. quarterbacks always take it like like it's a attack on them when they when they re, when they um, finally draft Jordan Love, right? So it's like, how dare you try to take my spot? It's like that's sports. They need yeah. someone to take your spot when you're done. Like so he like I said, he's a diva, but he's also like I don't give a shit, and he might sit out. So I, I can't read that guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just, I personally, I mean, I, I think he'll play. Like, I, I really do. You're that old. You just had an MVP season. I'm sorry. You only have so many seasons left, man. There's a clock. If you actually want to win another championship, there's a clock. So I I, I don't know who he's going to play for. I'm not Denver. saying I know. Sorry, I would yeah. say he's going to go to Denver. Yeah. going to go yeah, back maybe. to Green Bay or anything like that. But I, I personally think he will get traded. But he, I think he will be on a field. Yeah, he's such a tremendous talent that it'd be sad for him not to play. But I'm with you, Sean, on the diva aspect. I hate his body language on the field. Like, I don't think he's a very well-liked guy. Like, I just, the way he carries himself, or at least that's the way it comes through the media. But, uh, you know, staying on the quarterbacks, um, obviously being a quarterback podcast, I want to ask you guys, who were some of the, you know, the better QBs that you were able to play with in your career or or maybe play against? Well, I started off um, Saskatchewan. Um, like I said, we were all young, but that was Henry Burris was there. Right. He, he came uh, from Calgary and lit it up. Like we were scoring 40 points a game. So his arm talent, and I love his aura. Like Henry's always smiling. My first day I'm there, I'm just a rookie from Eastern Kentucky. And he's like, hey, Sean Gallon, Eastern Kentucky, you guys. And he was like, he already knew uh, where I went to school and really? background. Like he's one cool. of those genuine guys that like crazy, crazy arm talent. Uh, we had Kevin Glenn after that, that I respect him. He was doubted his whole career. and All he did was perform when he got in the game. So uh, I always loved, loved Kevin Glenn. And then obviously, Huck will speak to this, but we played for Cavill, um in Montreal. And that guy, you want to talk about a guy that is uh, respectful and respected at the same time and just an all-around great guy. Uh Cavillo's first class, like first first class. So it was a it was a joy watching him play with Ben Kahuna as a tag team, and and obviously uh, being here with Kevin Glenn and watching Milt Steagle play at the same time, right? So um, yeah, we played with some great quarterbacks, but uh, yeah, Burris, Glenn, and and uh, and Cavillo can't really beat those guys. No, those are great quarterbacks that played in the league. How about you, Corey? And there's there's some love loss with Burris. I mean, like, yeah, I got a lot of respect for him. Um, he he took that great cup from us in uh, 2008, Gallant. Uh, but I'll be honest, he gave it back to me in Saskatchewan in <laughs> 2013 when he was with Hamilton. Right. Um, but but uh, he a good talent that I played against. I never got got to play with him. Um, and obviously, Calvio. I mean, you talk a guy, talk about a guy who's seen – some of the lowest lows in football and some mm-hmm. of the highest highs. Right. I mean, you go back to his time in Hamilton and stuff, and, you know, everybody Las only Vegas. knows his his more recent uh, better career. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he he took it in Hamilton. I don't know if people realize that. Right. So, um, I mean, for him to do what he did and then to come back and do what he did is something else. And like Sean alluded to, just a, a stand-up class act guy. Um, so he, I'd have to have Calvillo on the list and, you know, I'd, I'd be reminisced if I didn't, didn't mention Darian Durant, who I got a lot of respect for, you know, he's the quarterback that, that, that used his athletic ability, um, to, to be an all around quarterback. I, I always used to 
joke around with Double D saying, hey, in the first quarter, can you just go take a big hit so you get angry and start start playing football? Because <laughs> sometimes he'd, be, he'd take some, but he, he'd deliver some too. And, and he he was one of those quarterbacks that just knew how to use his athletic ability mm-hmm. to 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 his benefit. So, so you know, obviously Calvillo, I would say, is is one of the best but that I, that I've played with for sure. Unfortunately, guys, we're getting to the end here. Uh, last question I like to ask all my guests is who was your favorite football player growing up? Could be more than one, but, but who was it and why? So I was, uh, <laughs> it was fourth or fifth grade. I can't remember which one, but um, I came to school. And like I said, I played sports, but I didn't know anything about sports. And I came in, uh, I was elementary school and I came in, all the guys were talking about, Cincinnati and San Fran and Super Bowl. I didn't even know what the Super Bowl was. And they're all like, San Fran, uh, Cincinnati, Icky Shuffle, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, who you got, Sean? I'm like, San Fran. I got San Fran. Okay. Didn't even know who the heck they were. Went home, looked them up, and, and I can end up winning the game. But ever since then, I was a San Fran fan, and Jerry Rice was my favorite player. Um, loved Jerry Rice. Idolized him. And then obviously, a little older I got, became a Lions fan as well. And, uh, Barry Sanders. So uh, Jerry Rice and Barry Sanders were my two players growing up. Love them uh, to this day. So uh, those are my guys. Yeah, those phenomenal choices. How about you, Cor? Uh, for myself, if, if we're talking, uh, you know, I'll, I'll split this up into two. I'll give you a couple NFL. Sure. I'll give you a couple CFL guys. Um, but uh, but in the NFL, honestly, I know he's a little before my time, but a Dick Buckus. Uh, you, you just love the way that that guy played the game. Um, and then on top of that, um, for, I, I really liked watching Bill Romanowski play football. Um, I, I thought he had had a, a, a little bit intuition about him when, when he was on the field. And then obviously, honestly, my, my favorite linebacker, Ray Lewis. I mean, the ground he covered, the, the fear that, that he would put in defenses was just uh, something else. But then you jump to the CFL side, you know, I've – uh, and it may have just been the timing of when I w- was uh, growing up and stuff and really focusing on it, but watching Baron Simpson play out there in his time in uh, BC was something else. And I got the pleasure to play with him in Saskatchewan. So that was pretty cool, you know. Why? And I had, ended up when he had a high ankle sprain getting the reps on defense for him, actually. Right. Um, but to, to watching him play back in his day out in BC was uh, definitely a, a treat. And then I definitely have to say a guy that maybe not growing up with, but a guy that I got a lot of respect for is uh, Jarrell Freeman, who I played with in uh, in Saskatchewan, who then went on to the Chicago Bears and the and uh, Indianapolis Colts. But I, I remember going up against him, and this is when I, when I was in Montreal. And uh, do you remember uh, Scott Squires, the, the the coach Squires? He had me blocking this guy, and and I came off after the first punt return. And I, I looked at him and I go, dude, this guy's going to make the tackle on every play if you don't give me a double. He actually made me feel like I didn't belong in the CFL. It's <laughs> like, I can't block this guy. Yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, maybe not a guy I looked up to growing up, but a guy that you got a tremendous respect for, just like the way that they played the foot, the, the game. I like that you like the unathletic white guy, Romanowski. You're like, I like that guy. Hey, I know, I like know that one was coming. <laughs> guy had a I like all these guys. This guy, I can be this guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been a phenomenal podcast. Probably, probably the best today. Lots of fun, great stories to talk to both of you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you guys being on. I also appreciate the audience and the people that are listening to me weekly. You know, trying to get great guests like yourselves on, and, 
and uh, produce great content like this is, is kind of what I'm all about. So I want to thank them as well. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed yourself tonight. Oh, that was a great time. I appreciate it, Guy. Like I said, haven't seen you in a while. Last time I saw Hawk, is your oldest was a baby. Like I remember, it was like, I know. It was like a baby. I know. So how about that? Yeah. How about that daddy-daughter bond I told you about? Oh, dude, like it's. <laughs> I, I I always grew up and I didn't know if I wanted to have kids. I was indifferent, and now that I have a daughter, like I couldn't imagine not having her. Like mm-hmm. I rush home every day from work just so I can hang with her. Like she's. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. But yeah, no, I really appreciate you having us on. Really appreciate it, Geese. So and great and, job, Geese, buddy. Like I said, you, you keep the flow the flow going and your questions are awesome. So I, like I said, I appreciate your professionalism, buddy. All right. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. I, I spent a lot of work putting it together. But uh, again, it's super fun for me to chat with you guys and learn more and, and grow the game. And, and again, the audience that's listening is really getting a lot out of this. So thanks again for being on. I hope you guys have a great night and take care.